0: Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never here. Yo, yo, what up? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And we got a special, special guest. This dude is like a mixtape, one of the mixtape kings Fucking yep. legend right, man, of all man. time. He's a DJ, radio, TV personality. He's an author, entrepreneur, all-time hustler. He's um, a retired criminal too, as well, right? Dude was like, dude was like a like arch criminal, you know, for like his his whole childhood or some shit. <laughs> but we, yeah, we're we're very honored to have him here. Boston's own, Beantown's own, Clinton Sparks in Keep the familiar. building. Let's
1: go
2: what's
0: up thank you yeah. for having me guys miss the get familiar yes right? get familiar that was
3: like the biggest tagline of the 2000s that, that was yeah. a big one yeah. well thank you very much for acknowledging this Yeah. <laughs> came up with it in my bedroom <laughs> is that what it is yeah like you know in 2000 uh when i was when i got on the radio and i was like man what am I gonna do that's a differentiator? How do I stand out? Because everybody else is wanna be funk master flex. Right. So it's like everybody just wants to drop bombs. They wanna sound like they're as cool, if not cooler, than the artist that they're interviewing. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, we're doing all this and da da da. I was like, what can I do that's different? So I, That was the first thing. And then the second thing I thought about was like, how do I brand myself? At that time, like now everybody's a brand. Everyone's a personal brand. Mm -hmm. But for the first 10 years of my career, people laughed at me when I called myself a brand. What do you mean you were a brand? you were a DJ. And I was like, nah, when I started, I was like, I need to be like Nike, just do it. So when I created Get Familiar, when I was going on the radio, I was like, I need a tagline, because nobody was doing that so I I wrote a whole bunch of things and I remember I kept going back to Get Familiar I was like ah it's so dope because I can say Get Familiar with this new record artists can say Get Familiar with Clinton and then I was thinking later down the line as I build a marketing agency I can license it out to like Get Familiar with the all new Porsche it was just like a dope ass line so I knew early on that if I wanted to stand out I had to do it different than everybody else and I also had to brand myself like a brand yeah
2: yeah I remember that
3: shit was everywhere in the 2000s definitely everybody (laughs) would people thought my name was Get Familiar like people would yell
0: yo Get Familiar
3: <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it was like yo, you you were like top of the mixtape game. Uh-huh. Right, it was Who were you up against? Who was your biggest competitors? It was I, like, I
3: didn't have any competitors but the uh-huh. only person I would say that was like we were on the same level of yeah, dopeness yeah. Uh, I will say right now here on this podcast the most creative innovative original mixtape DJs ever to do it is me and Green Lantern. Green Lantern. All so, Green Lantern so we're the two people that were like making mini albums. We were like right. making. we weren't trying to chase your exclusive we were making exclusives right? That's and it,
0: But this is at the time when mixtapes was just bl- blowing up because you yeah. had drama, you had who kid? Yeah, and then you dope. had like all the OGs, like Clue and everybody, yep, yep, yep. and everyone was killing it. Yep. So you're saying at that at that
3: point, the only competition you had was Greenland. Yeah, but I didn't. I guess. I, I never looked at anyone's competition because right. I look at it like I'm dope and if somebody else is dope it doesn't make me less dope and I don't need to compare my dope to their dope we're both just dope right so like that's how I always looked at it and like Green Lantern if anything I was a fan so like I would like oh new Green Lantern let me get that one mm-hmm. so I want to hear it so and I hit him and be like yo this new intro sick yo that record you did with Fat Joe is crazy like so,
0: so so were y'all cool where like you you would hear like you would see that he dropped a new mixtape could you hit him up and be like yo send me a link or like can You send me the MP3
3: or what would you do? Uh, Well, back then I was like, yo, I need to. Well, I owned Mix Unit. So I had. I want to talk
2: about that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I had everybody's shit. So I could just take it from my office and play it in my CD player. But this is
2: before Mix Unit. Right. Like it was just a. it was a CD. There was no MP3 or anything like that. Were you guys sharing? Right. Were you guys helping each other out? Like, no, nobody know?
3: helped each other. I mean, everybody wanted to be the big dog. Yeah, like yeah. nobody was like, "Yo, let me, let me look everyone, out for you." Everyone wants the exclusive. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's everyone. chasing exclusive. Everyone's like hemming up the record executives. Like, yo, don't give this shit to nobody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. And like, it was also much. Tougher time back then as far as like violence or like aggression. (laughs) It was. Like, there was much more aggression back then too. So, motherfuckers are super territorial. I didn't. Like, well, people would, I watched them two beef. I like slide over here and just get the job done and fucking slide back out. Well, y'all can beef about who didn't get a plaque or who didn't get an exclusive or who didn't get a drop. I don't give a fuck. I'm just out here being dope. So, you never
2: had beef with any uh, mixtape DJs?
3: No, in fact, I was, I, no, I I was, I helped them all. Uh I built the biggest mixtape site. In the world to actually amplify them i'll give you an example uh drama sent us a demo mm-hmm. to mix unit and i remember my partners when we got that they were like ah oh, what this fucking shit is whack all down south shit and i was like man artists go platinum out of their trunk down south if they have a clue of the south this guy will be fucking huge mm. and they were like oh you can take that project on so like so as as one of the owners of mix unit i, I put it on the front page and started supporting him, reached out to drummer and Cannon, those guys, like, yeah, I want to help blow you guys up. Or another example, I was in, uh, you guys know D and Shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so, I was in D's office and he had a stack of mixtapes and I'm just rifling through them and I see a DJ Khaled mixtape. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh. Khaled makes mixtapes? Uh-huh. Right, because at that time, Khaled was Miami. Like, yeah. if he owned Miami. If you wanted to break in Miami, you had to see Khaled. Mm-hmm. But outside of Khaled, nobody knew. Who, right. Outside of Miami, no one knew who Khaled was. So I, I listened to his mixtape on my ride back to Boston. And I'm listening to him. He had, like, Timberland and Scott Storch, like, recreating their beats on his mixtape. And I'm like, this is fucking dope as shit, but nobody will ever hear this. Right. Yeah. So I hit him up, and I was like, yo, bro, I need to fucking help you figure out how to get this shit cracking I think I went I think we planned a meeting at Mick Show Power Summit. Mm-hmm. And then we had a scheduled meeting. And you know, you know how Cal is he's always been the same big robust personality. Yo, nobody bother Sparks. We got big talk right now. I gotta talk to Sparks. So we sat there and I was like, Look, bro, I wanna help you. You got a really great personality, like you should be way bigger than Miami. And he goes, Yo, remember that little kid? Remember that kid, little Wayne? I was like, yeah. He goes, he just gave me like 11 new records to put out and I don't know what wow. to do
1: with it. Damn.
3: And I was, and this is like, remember he's cash money, but then went away for a while and then came back up. Right, like, right, right yeah. So like, you know, he gave Khaled a bunch of records. I was like, I know exactly what we should do with that. So I helped him market and promote that. And it did so well that uh, when Little Wayne performed on Jimmy Kimmel, he changed one of the lyrics in his songs to say Mix Unit while he was performing. Oh, shit. Damn. Yeah, like, bro, let me tell you something. I'm probably the most successful, influential guy in hip-hop, but the least known you, you at, like at you, the you,
0: same time. You like being behind the scenes, though. You've said that shit. You like being, you know, kind of, you know, not in the forefront of shit, kind of. Like, you like moving pieces behind the scenes a little bit, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing I like doing the most is like helping make other people hot or put, making, connecting the dots or making sure this guy's not missing out on opportunities or seeing an open lane for somebody else. I'll tell you though, like 99% of the time when I tell somebody, if I say, yo, never, I see you're doing this and that, but you're not doing this. If I help you with this, it's gonna help amplify those but open up a new thing over here. Mm. Now, this is a shot, you will know, just use it as an example. You know how many times now nah, he needs this talk. No, you know, yeah, this we talk, need to talk. No, talk. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no <laughs> really, maybe, talk maybe. to him now, like. You, <laughs> like <laughs> You know how many times I would literally set up the fucking play and lob the ball to someone to hit it out of the park and yeah. they just wouldn't pick up the bat? Right. Like, oh. I, I can't even fucking tell you. Like, I could say names right now. You'd be like, what? And like some of the biggest names. I'm like, fucking losers, bro. Like, and I don't mean loser in like a disrespectful way. I mean, like, a winner is fucking just going, like, just going, going, going. Opportunity, to take it. Opportunity, to take it. And then figure it out. And I've always had that. Uh, passion and enthusiasm to do dope shit with dope people. And and then I learned early on that not everybody's dope, but that took me a long time to realize I didn't know that I had a unique way of thinking. I thought everybody thought like me. So when I brought great ideas to people, I'm thinking, how do they not get it? This is fucking dope. It's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And then they wouldn't do it. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it took me like, it took me like a decade to realize that most people are not winners. Yeah. Most people are not yeah. killers. They ju- they'll they just do what they got to do. They still want to go drink or smoke or fuck around or play video games or watch the game all Sunday and close shop for the weekend or whatever it is. It's like, nah, bro. Like I'm fucking working. Call me working. Where you at? Working. What are you doing? Working. and by the way that's because I love what I do so fucking much I don't want to do anything else there isn't anything that I'm like fuck I wish I didn't have to work so much so I could go do these things because I did I built a career that allows me to do all the fucking cool shit that I'd want to do
0: yeah (laughs) I've kind of learned along the way like some motherfuckers are just still kind of like kind of dealing with all the issues that have gone through their life they just don't know how to deal with it so Mm -hmm. they they harbor all this fear self-doubt and they haven't conquered it maybe as well as you or some other motherfuckers like you know so like it seems like they're just not they don't want to move right and they're just like comfortable in this space but they just they've got so many issues that they kind of have to deal with and they're not as aware as you are you're probably aware like I was uh, listening to a couple of interviews, and you're very aware of yourself, and uh, you know, your chi- I, a lot of the stuff that you went through as, as a kid, uh, not all of it, but mm-hmm. some of it, I, yep. I related to a lot of just being aware of other people's energy and, mm-hmm. and your own energy, being self-aware to know like, yo, this is trauma from
3: my childhood, I, I need to get through it, and then push it along to where it doesn't kind of hold you back mm-hmm. a little, right? Yeah, I mean, Sort of, kind of. I mean, nothing's ever held me back. I've never, Mm -hmm. none of the, uh, I don't know what you're referring to in particular, but whether it was being sexually abused, whether it was an alcoholic father, whether it was being homeless for the broke or bullied, whatever it was, none of that stuff was like, boo-hoo, I'm going through this, like, why me? Like, ever. It was just, that was just my life. So like yeah, but we're also from a generation where we don't say
0: boo hoo. Like we yeah. don't fucking like right. feel sorry for ourselves. So I know, but our, what our yeah.
3: generation usually does is fucking just dive into a bottle of liquor. Right? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's or, what I mean. though. It's like yeah, self medicate. Yeah. 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 So so I didn't um, because for a couple, well, a couple funny reasons. One is like I remember I used to watch friends drink, and I'm like, I would never drink six Coca Colas. Who drinks this much? <laughs>
0: right? And I remember thinking that. Yo, <laughs> I was just having a conversation <laughs> with someone, and we used to drink so much soda. Oh, like that was man. like water. Like it I, was. Yeah. It was yeah. like in the eighties. I think yeah. it was just uh, like why did we? We didn't even water. drink water. In we the didn't 80s. Drink water. Yeah. I don't even no. remember drinking water oh, yeah. in the eighties. <laughs> you went home and you like you. either drank like high C Tang or even if you had
2: water, you Kool-Aid. mixed it with something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't even mix it with anything. Just straight up soda. Yeah, yeah. Soda. soda. That was the shit. It and it was
3: yeah. either you were either Pepsi or Coke. Yep. Yeah. 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 And by the way, I hate
2: when you go to a restaurant.
3: I don't drink soda anymore. I haven't in like fucking fifteen years. But when I did, I used to hate when I'm like, I get a Coke and they bring you a Pepsi. Yeah. As if it's the same thing. Well, yeah. That's like saying like, yo, can I fuck this girl? I got a dick. <laughs> it's like completely no. different, guys. <laughs> I don't know if that <laughs> one <would> work. That <laughs> <isn't> t- <laughs> let's just make it work, guys. All right, let's make it work.
0: <laughs> you know, have you heard that weird story about Pepsi of like how they were like getting kind of pushed out of the fast food industry? No. Well, Pepsi was getting. This is what I heard. Yeah. Pepsi was. Getting, Are you spreading rumors? No, uh, I mean I, I saw. Did you get receipts saw, on these facts? I, I saw. <laughs> I stumbled onto this YouTube video.
3: Ah, oh, just so, it. And so, that, so that's real. Yeah, real. Yeah, it's, yeah, real.
0: it's real. It's <laughs> on It has to be real. So then, so you, so Pepsi was getting pushed out of all fast food restaurants, and their sales were going down. So they ended up buying like KFC and Taco Bell.
2: Um, Not was this? Bad. and so what and year was this? Like in the I know. Whenever recently? you just
0: saw, whenever you saw KFC and Taco Bell in the same fucking. Right. In the same unit, it it you like, the that's hands. weird. Yeah. And hands. you're like, why the fuck is KFC and Taco Bell? And the reason why they bought them and put them together, started franchising it, so that they, they could only sell Pepsi, just to keep the brand alive. That's smart, Through these smart. fucking smart. Uh, fast.
3: Well, that's that smart. Front. It's like it's like you know the movie Founder, yeah. McDonald's. But that's so.
0: why you probably went to a restaurant, and they just kept buying restaurants. So mm. you probably went to a restaurant that Pepsi bought. Maybe. And it was just like yo, <laughs> yeah. you're you gonna got drink Pepsi,
1: Pepsi boy. Yeah. yeah. You but you know what's funny
3: is. That, that concept right there is what I've done my whole career. Mm. Oh, word, you guys won't put me on the radio? I'll build my own radio show. Oh, word, you guys won't return my calls about mixtapes? I'll build the biggest mixtape website. Oh, word, you won't? That's what I've done my whole entire life. Well,
0: I want to talk about the mixtapes, yeah, because I'm, I'm so curious. Like, like, I used to go, you know, I'm, I was a mixtape dude. I used to go to the record stores and i look for the new mixtapes, <laughs> you know? I'm just kind of curious. I don't know if you can even divulge in the numbers. But sure. at what point were you, like, what were you moving? I, and then, like, how were you Were you distributing and manufacturing your own CDs? Like, how did, it, did you go to Chinatown? Like, some motherfuckers went to Chinatown and mm-hmm. there was just these, like, empty factories and motherfuckers were just making these CDs. Yeah. Like, what was it, did you have your own distributor? Were they working with another DJs and doing other shit? Did you buy them out or, like, how did that work out?
3: Yeah, so, good question. Um... So yes, there was a lot of so there was a whole industry of graphic designers, manufacturers, right. mm-hmm. mixtape DJs, and distributors, and they all had to work together. So I invented a mixtape distribution in New York City. It didn't exist. Really? So I, yeah. I met this kid named Ag. He worked at Violator. So you're you're from Boston though, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you would travel up to New York. Yep. To get your CDs done. I, no, no, no. I, no. I would. I would I, I got different places. I finally inevitably, Connecticut, there was a place in Connecticut that would do it, but I would drive okay. to New York and I would hit all the stores. I'd go to Canal Street. I'd hit the boroughs and drop them off at all. And,
0: and then in Boston, was there like a mixtape scene or not yeah, really? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High
3: voltage, Skippy, Whites, you know, uh, Funky Fresh, like all those places mm-hmm. were, were popping. And, and they made they probably made most of their money with mixtapes. Right, yeah. Um, so it was a thriving industry. So at that
0: time, they we were like selling $10 or $20 a mixtape? $10 a mixtape? Uh, and they were, 10
3: bucks yeah it was it was 10 bucks it was 10 bucks but but then like you know oversaturation drives the price down so it does yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. it's just like with anything right so then like you know people used to you could wholesale them at one point for like six seven dollars then it went down to five dollars then it went down to like three dollars oh wait wait so you when it was at 10 you were wholesaling them at seven yeah
0: wow
1: Mm
3: -hmm. yeah Oh, actually they were selling for like 15. oh yeah yeah yeah, that's right but um yeah so then i ended up moving down so So you guys were always getting 50 percent pretty much the or, wholesaler or
0: more or more yeah oh shit um if you like if you had a hot mixtape you'd ask for a higher percentage kind of like right
3: well it depended like it depended what the demand was for you depending who else was coming out depending how consistent you were what kind of exclusives you got right. like what your name was in the streets okay so that played a role and like for instance like who kid was selling masters for like six figures so he would just go get a mixtape boom sell the master i'm done he wasn't running around the streets putting out mm. in all the stores. Mm. Uh, Wait, so who, who was the motherfucker buying this shit? There'd be just one person, probably in China, that would buy the master and then they would manufacture and distribute worldwide. Holy so Jesus. then they would make, it was, a, it was a legitimate, illegal business. Of course, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, that's why I wanna know that, but like, you would think there'd be a documentary about the mixtape scene or something, be. right? Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. What I've been saying for the past three months is the era the era of like me, drama, K-Slay, Green Lantern, Big Mike. like Everyone, even like
0: Spin Bad, even going yeah, to the 90s that, and, all that. and yeah. all that shit in the 80s, even like with the kick, of kick free, yeah. all the mixtapes. Well, yeah, yeah. I was talking about
3: my era, but yeah. But But if in you general, talk about
0: yours, you got to talk a little yeah, to, bit about Yeah, well, and Juice Tony yeah, Touch all them, yeah.
3: and all those stuff before me. Shout out Juice. Juice is the reason me and Green Lantern were so dope at intros, because he was the guy that we heard how he was cutting up different records for an intro. Oh, shit. We just took it to the next level. And like so, um, I was just talking about how that was an there was an era in hip hop but even in music that we were like kings. Like we were the street yeah, we were yeah, the internet. Yeah, yeah. We were the streets. Like you, you guys, had to come through us to there's artists that still exist now that were broken through our mixtapes. You guys yep. were basically like the Spotify playlist caviar yes. for the street. You streets. were rap caviar. Yeah, yeah. that's what you yep. were. Yeah. And I'm like, and if you weren't around then you don't know about it. You don't mm-hmm. know the significance. You don't know the violence. You don't know the money. You don't know the the legal shit that went on. You don't yeah, know the camaraderie. Yeah. You don't know like the struggle the hustle like this a, that's a whole fucking series mm-hmm. on it on itself and yeah. i've been saying like this has to come and i started i went and met with a producer in hollywood recently and i was like i want to make this because i'm friends with every single dj that was around and relevant let me go do it because they're going to do they're going to keep it totally fucking real with me and i'm going to ask them the questions that motherfuckers really want to know yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I actually just started ideating creating the quintessential i'm thinking of a name is okay. what I'm thinking of, but because I, I you was call it like, mixtape kings, right? Well, or I was thinking, well, like oh, well, I yeah. was, I was thinking like it, it won't be this name, but the the concept of when we were kings made me think about like, man, we were the, we were the top dogs, bro. Like, yeah. you had yeah. some new shit, you needed to come see one. I remember I used to book studios in New York, and I'd hit record labels like, yo, I'm coming to do shit, and then like. They just have artists lined up to come in and do freestyles that turned out to be Joe Budden turned out to be, you know, like rappers would just be in there. So you guys had so much power huh? over the music industry, over over hip hop, right? And then I had people that were in my position had even more because I had, multiple radio stations on lock and I was a mixtape DJ and I'm a platinum producer and I'm on TV and I'm doing all the hot clubs. So it'd be advantageous for you to be my friend because I can do a lot for you and I have a lot of value to add to you breaking your records. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so
3: and by the way, I did that intentionally so I would have that much value. <laughs>
1: Of course, Yeah.
0: like even when he's I started, like he, he's like the Gary V of like yeah. of like the hip hop music. Yeah. Like in
3: music industry. I've literally heard people say is the hip hop Gary V. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: so he yeah, doesn't
1: like the Jets. You when know? I started, he's like,
0: like, this is how you win. And how to not be a loser, right? You trails. fucking losers. <laughs> you know how many losers I've talked to? You
1: fucking lazy fucks. You don't they, want they to
0: do the to work. you yeah. not to I mean,
3: there's way more losers than winners, obviously.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so wait. All right, I, I'm fascinated by the mixtape. So then you you kind of figured out that you said the designers, the manufacturers and everything. So yeah. you somehow hooked up something in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Were you all kind of using the same designers or you wanted your own? There were
3: different ones. So like there was like... Each one of those categories had like the star name. Right? Uh, so, like, there's like these two guys make the best fucking covers. If you can get him to do your cover, you're in the elite. Right. If you, these guys won't even manufacture your shit because you're weak. You ain't even doing numbers. Okay. So, how, like, right. a designer, like, the top designer, how much are you dropping? He giving him, what, like, a hundred? Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah. Okay. It was around, it was, it was like a couple hundred. A couple like, hundred. Okay. Yeah. 300 a cover or something like and that. And then these
0: dudes were probably doing, like, I don't know, five mixtapes a week, I, maybe? Got to ask them. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know
3: what they're not And then you were trying to drop.
0: What was your schedule like?
3: A we- weekly, bi weekly, monthly? monthly uh, put it this way I did over 110 mixtapes in my career which equals 10 which makes a mixtape a month for over 10 years wow. so and remember if you listen to my mixtapes which a lot of them now are still current today because if you haven't heard them you haven't heard them because it's not songs that you know no, mm-hmm. it's so they're like albums still to people that yeah, are new so yeah, yeah. the time it took people like me and green to put a project together was like like it would take me fucking three weeks sometimes just to make my intro because
0: you guys were doing like a lot of more original music kind of making shit from yeah place,
3: and then right. even our intros are like three minutes of cutting up like a thousand different records yeah. to say to give you messages like right. you are fucking with me, me, me do take a step take a stop stop listen do it again take a fuck y'all it DJs like the whole shit was just like That was good I would have the, stole that the, shit yeah, back yeah what was that a crab right like there? Sl- slow down slow down, man, down, stop.
0: Yeah. Stab,
1: baby. Yeah. No,
3: no, but I mean, like. When we all
0: did. We, I, I used to, I did, when I made a mixtape, I was like, I got to make it sound like these yeah. motherfuckers. I yeah. got to have at least the first minute be yeah. some scratches. Yeah. That's yeah. What,
1: yeah. I, the, the intro will make it or break it for a lot of mixtapes back in LA. Right. Like either you, if if the intro was hot, you, that shit will sell. But you
3: guys out here are different than us. You guys out here were more like technical scratchators no, no, like out here. Yeah,
1: but it was still like, if in it was hot scratching and shit, yeah. then we bought the a mixtape. Because we would have to go buy them at Santiago. Alex so when and
3: you mean scratch, country. you just mean like, <laughs> like no, that like, kind
1: of? No, the shit you just explained. Like if we heard that shit and it was like, yo, that's some real shit, then we'll buy the mixtape. Because that's where uh, in Santee Alley, a guy would have a boombox and then a fucking like uh, a wall full of mixtapes. Yeah. And you ask him, yo, play this one. And if yeah. the intro was hot, then right. you buy it. Yeah, it's it life, life. like
3: life. You got 10 seconds. Yeah. 10 well, seconds to get someone's attention. If you go talk to a girl and you say some dumb shit, Over.
2: Survived, you know what I really?
3: mean? so <laughs> How were you making sure that you were getting distribution in Cali? Like, were they hitting you directly? Like, uh, It was a mixture of me. So what we would do back then is we would just look here, shout outs on someone else's tape. Who's that? Or we would see, a, write something on the back. Or as you travel, you'll just... Well, how I started is I made... I don't know, 5,000 mixtapes. I got in my truck and I drove from Boston all the way down to Atlanta. And anyone that looked like they listened to hip hop, I went over to sneaker stores, barbershops, clothing stores. Sneaker stores was big in Atlanta. I pulled over, record stores, and then people that were even sitting in their car at a red light, I'm like, yo, throw it in their window.
1: Because yo, this is a
3: time when anything remotely uh, relevant to hip
0: hop, they were kind of selling mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even a sneaker store, a fucking everything, yeah. like sneaker stores, they, they, they were selling some Grocery
2: yeah. stores in the neighborhood, yeah. they were selling mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, bodegas, sell. yeah. Bodegas, yep. Or
3: yep. like the Jamaican shop, you know what I'm saying?
0: Also like the back then, the shop had it. Yeah. You know.
2: Also
3: back then, people were excited to get free shit. You know, now right, if we get right, something free, yeah. we're like, fuck out of here. I don't want to yeah. carry this shit. But like back then you give someone a mixtape and your cover looks fire. Yeah, yeah. Yo, oh word, I get to have this thing. People were actually were happy yeah, that was to crazy. get shit for free. Yeah. yeah. There
1: was value in music, right? Oh, yeah. 1, There's
0: no value in music right. now.
1: <laughs> That's the problem. It's funny because yeah. I would go to Warehouse Shoe and If you spent 50 bucks, you get a free mixtape or whatever it was shit. that week. Huh. So you wanted to spend 50 bucks on whatever the fuck just to get the free mixtape. So. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. They probably
3: gave you the wackest mixtape that wasn't. No, nah, there's was some good <laughs> shit. There's
1: some good shit in there. So then, at some point, you were
0: you were moving so much weight, right? You were moving so, so many so much CDs weight. Well, it was so pretty
3: w- fucking heavy. Yeah, it was pretty hard. pretty hey, cases. You <laughs> were moving wise. so much weight at some. point. Oh, when point. slim cases came out, changed oh. the fucking game. game. From those yeah. thick I ones. Remember that. Yeah, I
1: remember that. that
3: those like, sleeves, yeah. just a cardboard sleeve, and that was yeah. it. And you didn't have to have, like, back artwork anymore. Oh, yeah, 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 it was it was on the actual cover. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. back was the cover, but yeah. you didn't have to open up. The plastic breaks. It's a fucking broken cover. Put uh-huh. the sleeves inside. You had to actually assemble everything, too. You'd get mm-hmm. the jewel cases, the covers, and the CDs all separate. So I'm calling five people over, spending two days literally just putting all my shit together. Were you shrink-wrapping your shit, too, or not? I didn't, but some other stores would do that. Oh, shit. So wait, so... You were moving so much that you, what what came along to start the the mixunit.com thing? Uh, well, two things. It was a combination of me being uh, frustrated from like dudes in the hood, not doing good business or customer service. So they would like, you, when you got a mixtape ready to go at two on Tuesday, you ain't got time to wait till Thursday to get a call back. That was one. And then two, I want my money, bro, where the fuck's my money? And I gotta wait for you to fucking get Paul to pay Peter, and it's like, I was just. So
0: there's a lot of shady
3: motherfuckers that do not want to pay don't. I don't wanna say shady, just like not business savvy. Not diligent. Not business savvy, so (laughs) I was like, fuck, how can I create something that has great customer service, that treats the DJs well, and markets amazingly? Simultaneously, I met my partner, Mike, who was thinking the same thing, who's not even a DJ. He's like, I got this idea to make uh, vending machines with mixtapes. And I was like, how about fuck that and let's do a website where we have all the hottest motherfuckers up here and da-da. So then that's well, how we created MixUnit.com. What year
2: was this? Like 2003? Uh,
3: three or four? Uh-huh. And, is, and then is... I remember, I, I, because we were doing so, we were the, the site. No one else even yeah. mattered at that point. And then, a bunch of my, a bunch of people I knew because we were doing so well they, they couldn't do business anymore I had to shut down mm-hmm. and one of them was my friend he was like man fuck you Sparks like what, what I'm supposed to do now and I was like bro why don't you be an aggregator that gets all the videos of the shit that goes on the hood and that hip hop clubs with these fucking stabbings and fightings. It was like a bum fight era, right? So I'm like, why don't we, why don't you get all that shit and put it on one website? Every fucking white kid in the world would love that. And he was like dope. And that was the creation of world star hip hop.
1: No way. You gave Uh, that to Q? Yeah. No fucking way. R B Q. by the way. Yeah. Great guy.
3: As a matter of fact, the year... So
1: Q so Q was in the mixtape game.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was selling it and you ran him out. Yeah. And then but you gave Not him Not on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you
0: but you uh yeah. So you gave him the idea for
2: WorldStar. Yeah.
3: And then uh the year before he as as before he passed, he was coming to my apartment like, I don't know, every few weeks because I was um I was trying to tell him for years how to elevate that business from just I say this with all respect because he's my fucking boy and everybody over, Danny, everyone's my boy, but I'm like, bro, you keep, you running this shit like a fucking trap house. I'm like, let's turn this into a big business Blah, blah, blah. Like, I remember I brought a Coke deal to him one time and he passed on it because I Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Coca-Cola. <laughs> I said Coca Cola properly earlier and right now I'm like
0: Coke.
1: you said Pepsi and Coke. So uh, yeah, You like, yeah, said I a proper Coke deal. I'm like,
3: whoa. I'm like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah. Now he he said, he's shitting on it for running it like a trap house. He is. <laughs> yeah, I brought yeah, him yeah. On a yeah. trap house deal.
1: Touche.
3: <laughs> now I see why Jamie's the great. Uh,
1: <laughs> I got to do the PR here, yeah, baby. Yeah.
3: So then, like, you know, he passed on that and it was all good. Then I remember, um, um, they did the World Star uh, college tour. So, I, so I did I DJed on there. And then I'm like, bro, man, we need to start fucking diversifying this shit, man. We need to create a festival, World Star festivals before Rolling Loud. Uh-huh. We need to create our own record label and distribution here at World Star. And then what else we need to do is we need to go find black screenwriters in the hood and then like, develop their films and then upstream them to revolt. And then we've got Puff involved. We were all talking about doing all this stuff. And the reason I'm telling you this story is to show you how great of a heart Q had so there was one time he was leaving. I walked him downstairs uh, at my apartment. He was getting into his car, and he goes, "Yo, Clint, how much percentage you want a world star?" And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "He's like, how much percentage you want?" I was like, "Nothing, dude. I, I, I'm I'm doing this because you're my friend." And then he was like, "Nah, you've been here since day one, and you're still here trying to help me. Like, you, we need to figure this out." And I was like, "Dude, I wasn't doing this for any of that. I was doing it because you're my buddy. But if you want to, you know, do something." It's up to you. And then before we ever got to that, he passed away. Mm. But like how beautiful of that was, that was him to to recognize, well, realistically, the dude gave me the idea and he's still here later trying to help me elevate this. Yeah. So he's rest in peace, Q.
0: Well, like to, to also just, to have that kind of gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like, cause some people you give and you give and you yeah. think that's the standard. Yeah. They don't think they have to give back Right, and they just think, Oh, that person's here and they're always going to be here to like hook me up. Yeah. But he kind of looked at you like, yo, this dude is giving me so much. I'm in an opportunity to give back to him. And I never asked for anything. I've never asked for anything either. Yeah, that's not... Very giving guy.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. That's a
0: crazy story. We got
3: thousands of those guys.
0: I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. I miss the
3: hip-hop Gary V. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: sure.
0: sure. Hopefully we'll get like five five or so of them.
3: I'm like the Forrest Gump of hip-hop. I've been a part of like almost fucking everything dope that you just wouldn't know because one, social media wasn't around and two, I didn't do it for the fame or the clout. I did it for the good of culture and for my friends that I yeah. wanted to help. I'll give you an example. If you, do you guys know that we got it for cheap series I did with the clips?
0: No. Well, oh, get familiar it, with your yeah, fucking
3: yeah. hip hop history. All right. It's a classic and it was Rolling Stones top. Yeah, fifty yeah, yeah. album. We, yeah. oh, we
0: got it for cheap.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I did that series with them and they were on MTV one time and, uh, they were like, man, you guys must've made a lot of money off that. And they, and one of them said, yeah, Clinton's probably buying houses. Right. And I was like, damn, do they actually think I made all this money and didn't give them any? And then so at that time they changed their numbers so I couldn't get in touch with Pusha and then I ran into them. So I said, hey guys, come here, I gotta talk to you. So we went to the corner or whatever and I was like, you guys know I never made any money off We Got It For Cheap, right? And I was like, oh no, it's cool, man, it's cool. Like, you know, do your thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, dude. I've, in fact, I lost money because I would press up boxes to take with me on tour to give away for free to promote them. I wasn't getting reimbursed for that shit. And I was like, dude, if I made a dollar, you would have made 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Like I would have never, ever fucking made money and not shared it with you guys. And that concept is how I've lived my whole entire career. Like I will lose money before I damage my reputation or, you know, affect a, a relationship negatively. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, money's, there's money everywhere. You can get money doing anything. Mm-hmm. If you start off just the nucleus and the the core of who you are is just doing dope shit for dope people and just being a good human being and actually giving a shit about other people, the money will just come. But most people are more focused on the money. How much can I get for that? Yo, know, what you got? Yo, know, what's up with the bag? And da da da, da. Like, yo, know, the bag is your reputation. The well, bag is trustworthiness.
0: Where did you learn that, though? Because in your, in your upbringing, like in your childhood, it was very much like kind of you were fighting to survive. You mm-hmm. were like doing probably B&E's. Robin like doing burglaries like, as a young ass kid Not
3: probably yeah was he was doing and he's <laughs> like yeah you was like a stealing up, cars like yeah. all
0: that shit yeah so at what point did you just realize that yo like the reputation has to has to be stronger than like you know than my focus on integrity yeah yeah your, your integrity has to be you know more important than you know well, the bottom line sometimes
3: um that's kind of like a, a question with it has a lot of branches on I'm sure, it, right? Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry about that, but no, it's okay. <laughs> um,
1: uh,
3: I don't know which way to go first. Um,
0: well, I, w- I will. T- I'll, let's talk about your childhood a little bit because I was, I was kind of, I, I related to some of the things you were saying because you kind of grew up in a fucked up neighborhood in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of grew up broke and poor, and you, were, I don't know, you. In most situations, you were probably like the only white kid. Around a bunch of like, you know, maybe right. minorities, blacks right. and Latinos or right. whatever. And you were talking about kind of like being able to navigate through situations, like being able to read people, read situations so that you can kind of get out of situations safely. Which I you know, when I was growing up in New York, I was probably the only Asian kid growing yeah. up in a black Latino neighborhood. Right. So like I had to know how to talk to certain people. I had to know if they were gonna like fuck with me, how John I could view, get out yeah. of the situation. Yeah. You know, like, I I, I would spot trouble, like, blocks away. I'd be like, oh, shit, wait. I know that. I I see these motherfuckers two blocks away. I got to, like, make a move. Or I got to do, I got to, like, navigate myself. Take the long way home,
3: yeah, yeah, You developed a heightened uh, awareness.
0: Awareness, right? And even to the point where, like, you can read when motherfuckers are trying to play you. Mm -hmm. And, like, all of this shit. But Mm -hmm. you were talking about that and how it's helped you in business. And in situations. and, And knowing how to adapt like, on the spot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you. I feel like I'm telling your story in front of you, it's okay. which is a little weird. But, like, uh, you, I,
3: I love that you were, like, robbing. You were, like, you were doing, what, B&Es. Like, you were, yeah. like, 11, 12? Uh, from from 10 to about 15, I was robbing houses, stealing cars, credit cards. And I wanted cars. to know, who taught you this shit? Nobody. Uh, so, when you – I didn't have any, like – adult males around. I didn't have any leaders. I didn't have no bad influences around. I didn't have anything. It was really just figuring out life by, but out of necessity, you know, I didn't have nice things. And like, and I did it, I did my dirt all by my lonely too, just so you know. So I wasn't like, yo, let's go get this. Let's go do that. Like one, I was never proud of it Two, I didn't want to brag about it. And three, I knew just like now, even in business, I can always rely and trust me. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to do the right thing. I'm going to show up and I'm going to make sure the job gets done. So when I was even robbing, it's weird because I hate even acknowledging how much of a shitbag I was as a teenager when it came to robbing. But it's funny. It's ironic that I'm going to say this, but I was like a a criminal, but I actually still gave a shit about people and had a heart. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if you, if maybe I said this in the thing you heard, but like if I got orders for like a VCR, a video camera, a TV, and like I got into a house and they had it all, I would only take one. And then I'd go to another house and up my chances of getting busted or shot. Cause I didn't want anyone to ever come home and their whole house was wiped out because I thought about my mom, how she worked so hard for us. And it's one thing if our VCR is gone, like that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Who took our fucking VCR, right? But when everything's gone that you worked hard for, <laughs> that's fucking, <laughs> that's devastating. Yeah, I give you props. Like, <laughs> the fact
2: that you're like, so you was a thief with a
3: conscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Because
3: <laughs> you might even question yourself like, did I put my VCS somewhere? I don't remember. <laughs> but like, We're if everything's remember. missing, you're like, and I was super <laughs> good about it too. Like I figured out ways how to break into windows and put them back so you didn't know. There was one, one time I went to a top of an apartment building, cut a hole through the sheet rock Lowered myself down, took the shit out, then pulled the sheetrock back up. You didn't even know how I got in the house, so it was like I was super inventive.
1: <laughs> as, a right there, bro. as a,
3: as a kid. So probably. you were doing this because you're like, yo, like I want nice shit, and my family
0: can't
1: get my, I, we can't get nice shit, and this is how I get nice shit. So you were much. selling the like the VCRs and the TVs to other people.
3: Yeah, yeah. I and then we had some in my house. We kept some in the house too, which is weird because you think my mom would be like, where the fuck did you get yeah, this? Yeah, I was right? gonna like, say where the fuck like your <laughs> three and DVDs just, and I was like, I don't know, ma. Someone gave it to me. Right, but um It fell off I a f- truck. I found it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I said all those things. Um <laughs> <laughs> I remember the very first time I became a criminal.
1: Oh, let's hear it
3: Uh so I was ten years old and we lived in an apartment building in Dorchester and I could smell so I used to go to this guy down the hall's house and try to take out his trash for a couple bucks. And it's just something about his like well being didn't seem stable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this guy's going to die. So then for like a week, (laughs) for like a week, the building smelled like death. That's some some good sensibility for a (laughs) 10-year-old. He's about to kick the
0: carrot two weeks. I don't know if I was 10 years old looking at motherfuckers like, yo, he's about to die (laughs) soon. Yo, yo, side. (laughs) And then smelling shit like, yo, this motherfuckers dead, yo. He he smells (laughs) it.
2: This a stench. (laughs) I was right. right. (laughs) 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 Aha. My nose is.
3: He's like, finally. You know, it's funny. Side note, traveling as a DJ, I've been on flights three times where people died on the flight. No way. Oh, shit. Yeah, Yeah. and (laughs) and, and the third one, wait, coming from Africa, they brought this guy on the flight. I mean, they had to, like, hold him up. He looked like fucking the crypt, right? So, like, so this guy's in front of me. We're all looking, and I'm like, ah, that guy's going to die on this flight. (laughs) And And the guy's in front of me, I didn't even know the guy's in front of me. They're like... Come on, man. How do you know? Dad, Have I some go, hope, I go, look at him. You think he's going to last this fucking ride? This whole flight? He's going to die, right? <laughs> Lo and behold, three hours later, is there a doctor on the plane? Is there a doctor on the plane? So they call him. They go, home. he's dead. They got to lay him in the galley, dead body in the galley. God, so now fucking it's starting to stink rigor mortis. So we got to turn around and go back to fucking...
1: Africa. Uh, oh, you started
3: smelling this shit. Yeah, right? we had to go yeah, back yeah. to Africa. Yeah, he
1: composes within an hour, bro.
3: Yeah, His body. It was already drops. starting to smell. Everyone's like, "Turn around, we got to go back to Africa." What does that smell like? I don't even know what you know that what, smells wait, like. Anyway, so back to the first criminal thing. Uh, let me bring us <laughs> yeah. all back. Right? <laughs> yeah. So wait, okay. Remember, we're smelling a dead guy. You're right, you're uh, ten years old. Every one of the buildings, like, what's that smell? So it must be the dumpster, right? So I'm like, I had a feeling this guy was dead and I knew he had a bunch of shit in his house. Mm-hmm. And I needed batteries for my handheld Gallagher player. <laughs> he
1: needed two double batteries. started with getting batteries.
3: And I knew he had a shit ton of batteries in his house. <laughs> so I figured out how to break in his house and I stole all of his batteries and I seen his dead body. And I was like, oh shit, he is dead. <laughs> I took all the, the, all the batteries. And I remember I told the guy, the guy who, en- who ended up becoming the guy that molested me, I remember, he had a feeling of what I did because I remember him saying in the '80s you believed like demons and shit like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's like, why thriller worked, right? So he was like, you know, his body's gonna come back and get those batteries. And I remember my fl- my bedroom was on the second floor, and I threw all the fucking batteries out into the <laughs> woods. I was like, I don't want no fucking <laughs> demons coming in my room.
0: Wait, so when that you got a taste of like how easy it is to just go into someone's crib and just take some shit if you wanted.
3: Yeah, I guess. Well, I think even before that, I think I used to steal from like department stores. Um, but yeah, that was just like a, yeah. Shit. I mean, but you're doing it, you're doing it out of like, not just being a, a shithead that robs, even though Robin's being shitty, but like mm-hmm. you're doing it one cause you don't know better. Right. As a kid, you don't even really realize mm-hmm. like this is completely wrong. You have a feeling you're not doing something right, but you don't realize just like even being sexually abused. like, you don't even know as adults, you can be like, why did you tell somebody? Why'd you do this? Why were you still friends with the guy that was molesting you? Like it's weird to a logical adult thinker mm-hmm. yeah. when you're a kid and you don't know any better. And this is all you know is dysfunctional love. Like molest you that night, buy you a toy the next day. Yeah. It God, seems yeah, like it's weird, I but I don't know. It's the only guy showing me love. Right? So, like, you don't know these things until you get older and, and you, you never look had back. a
1: male figure in your life. Yeah.
3: So, there, when you, when you, so, anyone that's been raped or sexually abused, and like, you ask simple questions like, why didn't you tell anybody? Or why didn't you do this? Like, 90% of the people don't have the answer to that because they don't even fucking know why. Mm. I went and sold that guy a vacuum cleaner when I got older. How bizarre is that? Wait, wait,
0: wow. Where, where were you selling vacuum cleaners? You Dude, were, I had
3: a hundred fucking jobs in, yeah. when I was young. Holy shit. Dude, and, I, I lived 10 lives by the time I was 21. Wow.
1: And the trauma never caught up to you at any point?
3: Nah, because I never looked at things that happened uh, to me. I look at it like it happened for me because it made me the person I I was to, to do the things I did and made me the person I am today. And I like the person I am today. So, uh, I built myself by design, not by circumstance. Most people usually let the circumstances of their lives dictate how they're gonna act or live or react. And I knew early on, like, like I didn't do anything wrong, that guy did. Why would I be troubled by him doing something wrong? I was the victim. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. my dad left me, I didn't leave him. Why am I gonna be bothered? Of course, as a kid, you know, and a boy, even sometimes now I might watch a father-son movie and tear up, you know, because those things never leave you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of like how you deal with them and how you accept them and what responsibility you, you play a role in that. And like, <clears throat> even when I was young and that guy was doing that, I recall thinking to myself, why does this guy do this to me? Like what happened to him that's making him do this to me? So I've always been super analytical. Of like even bullies like I wonder why they and, pick and, on me and
0: somewhat empathetic
3: right yeah, like, yeah very empathetic yeah and you know I'll tell you a key to life um, speaking of empathy is so at 15 my mom was sick of getting me from the police station so she sent me to my dad because I was in the city she sent me to the suburbs with my dad to live with my dad at 15 and he was an alcohol Cause
0: you because you, you were wilding out yeah
3: yeah she was she was done so um no, he was an alcoholic. And, and wait,
0: just just for a reference, I want you to continue this. I don't yeah. want to. I sorry to interrupt you. you
3: were, did you, were you DJing at this time or you weren't no. DJing at all? Well, not professionally. So at this time, I had stole turntables. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah, I, had, so I had them. So at like 12 or 13, I had the setup in my house and all the 18 year old kids would come over while I would DJ right. and play instrumentals and beatbox. And I wanted to be a rapper. That's what I was doing at first. I was a dancer and a rapper. And I was winning all the talent shows. I opened for Buster, Missy oh, wow. as a dancer. Um, in fact, like, yeah, I opened up at the Boston Garden. Dancing.
1: Damn. The right? thing? And that
3: rapping. Was, this motherfucker was dancing, rapping, robbing. And
0: robbing. Kane,
1: the Dancing, <laughs> rapping, <laughs> robbing.
0: Uh, anyway, I'm, so you were wilding the fuck out. Your you just, mom sent yeah, you so to Yeah, so she sends me to my father. dad. Yeah. There's juice and, right
2: here, man. Is, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, the original Q. Q. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and Bishop, right? Um,
1: <laughs> sure. No, 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 no. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly.
3: So, um... So she sends me to my dad. I live with him, and you know that was it was great. It was definitely a form a, a formative time of my life. Um, but my dad would always say things to me like, "That's not the way I raised you," because I'd still be getting in trouble at school, and it always bothered me because I'm like, eh, "You didn't fucking raise me, right, right, right." right. right? And like, yeah. it bothered him the day I finally said to him, "You didn't raise me," so he got pissed off at that. So we ended up having like that big father son fight at 18 years old, like "Fuck you, fuck you," and I was like, "When I grow up, I'm gonna be a way better fucking father than you." And he's like, "You'll fucking see. Life happens." Um, so then I left and I'm like, I'm never fucking talking to that guy again. So then like, I don't know, three, four years goes by and I'm thinking about my father. And uh, I was like, it made me think about like, what what happened to my dad that didn't allow him to be the man I needed him to be Mm -hmm. when I was a boy. And when I took the time to care about that thought, when I took the time to care to go find out what happened and I realized like, shit that's like what the fuck his dad used to beat the shit out of him and mm-hmm. you know he has a, a, a tumultuous relationship with his mom and then he gets sent to vietnam a fucking war yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like so like how do i expect a 24 25 year old guy that went through all that to be a great dad right yeah. you know what i mean so when i thought about that my my resentment turned into empathy. Mm -hmm. And then me and my dad went on to become best friends. I went to him and I was like, look, I forgive you, I'm sorry what you went through, and we became best friends. So I share that because it's a key to life that I learned at around 21, it's one of the many keys. But that key of like caring about other motherfuckers and what they're going through, and having empathy more than resentment or hate or jealousy, I'm telling you, man, it'll fucking carry you so much fucking further. And look, it's a testament to even coming up as a DJ. I never cared what some other exclusive DJ got. I never cared about a gig that he got. I never cared how much money he made. I never cared about a plaque that the label sent them and not me, because I didn't give a fuck. That wasn't part of my plan. My plan was to become a successful fucking winner by doing the things that I set out to do with milestones and keeping track and score of my fucking life. And it was never getting this, getting a plaque, getting a pat on the back. It was never, those are great if they come, but it wasn't part of the plan. Therefore, it doesn't bother me. And I also learned early to remove my emotions from everything. So whether someone's like, yo, you're the dopest motherfucker ever, I just look at it like, okay, I'm doing a good job at my business. Yeah, if yeah, someone's like, yeah. yo, you're whack, it doesn't affect me, because I'm just like, all right, maybe I need to improve on these things. It never hit me yeah. personally.
0: So do you think that thing that happened with your dad and you kind of felt like, you know, getting to terms of like, understanding where he came from and what was going on, do you think that helped you kind of like, like we we t- talking about integrity right and kind of having that having more weight than having the bottom line whereas like kind of in, in in your childhood it was kind of about like the bottom line i want these things i want this stuff i want like kind of the quick dollar i want the quick i want the quick material shit as fast as i can get it and then i i think i think the original question was at what point do you think you started understanding like yo the integrity is is probably more valuable than the actual you know, like mm-hmm. the, what I'm getting out of this?
3: Um, I don't know if there's an actual point, but I yeah. do know that a very impacting thing that happened to me coming up in the music career is that I would do odd jobs to make enough money to pay for gas to drive to New York. And I would stand in front of record labels, freezing cold, waiting for someone that looked like they worked at a Like, hey man, you work here at Universal? and they'd be like, yeah, why, what's up? And you had like 10 seconds to sell right. why you should be up in their office mm-hmm. before social media. Um, and when I'd go up in, or I'd get my way into offices and I'd sit and I'd talk to people, this is with fucking Motorola two-way pagers, and, I, yeah. and I'm sitting there like, yo, listen to this, and I see them just like, like, not, listen, like not listening to attention. me, right? right. And, then, um, and then I would say things and they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what's up. I started, literally, my manager can vouch for this. I'd sit there and I'd be like, yeah, you know, I've been working on that. Then I took three dicks in the mouth and it was fucking awesome. And then they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's what's up, that's what's up. And I'm like, man, let's get the fuck out of here, bro. Because I'm like, they ain't even fucking listening to me. This is is bullshit. And I I remember thinking how fucking whack that was for them to do that to me or anybody. And I remember thinking, I will never do that to somebody else or make anybody feel that, like, unimportant Mm -hmm. as they used to make me feel and the funny thing is i won't call out names but you guys probably know most of the names if i said them there's a handful of guys that when i was coming up were acting like that and then when i'm even recently like i don't know if you guys know what i'm doing now but i'm doing better than i was doing music Mm -hmm. and it's like they'll hit me now like yo i see you doing this what's up man like let's talk and i'll be like let me tell you about yourself first and I tell them and i am like, yo, when I was coming up, this is the kind of dude you were. And I got to school them and give them a lesson and put a mirror in front of their face. Oh, Not to be a dick. Or not to shit on, because I'll never be like, nah, fuck you, you diss me. Because again, going back to, I don't know what their past was. Mm-hmm. I don't know what made them that much of a dick. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, I'm gonna give them a pass if I talk to them and they say they're sorry, or I didn't realize that, or fuck, I made you feel that way, and then they, and they, I open their mind. Well, it's communication, right? Then yeah. great, we're good to go now. Mm-hmm. If they, if anybody, which no one did this, but if anyone's like, nah, bro, I didn't do that shit, down all right, he's unfixable, right? Yeah. Right? So like. I mean that's important in business In any type of business relationship You need transparency
0: And you need communication So yeah. And you need accountability Motherfuckers need to be accountable Awareness And you need to be transparent About what the fuck happened I mean I'll yeah, tell you Crooked like, If you
3: did something I wouldn't be like man, yo, never, man, Fuck Crooked man You know what he did That's not the kind of guy You know what I me. am Yo Crooked You know how I feel right now Because of what you did that's what I would do. And I'm going to be like, yo, you're a fucking liar. No. You know well, <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you know
0: I'd, how to you know say something great? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, man. You need to go back to robbing my houses like we were as a kid. You ain't robbing me. No, no,
3: but I mean, if you just keep it real, you know yes. what I mean, like, you know, which most people don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They mask their feelings or they don't really come all the way transparent what they're, what they're feeling or they're not honest about like, the the good or the bad they only want to tell each other like if you guys are all friends and he does something whack it's your duty as a friend to tell him he's doing something whack but it's so hard for people to be accountable especially nowadays it depends how you approach it really 100% it's all how you dude I could say let me think about it you could be like fuck you or you could be like (laughs) Or you could be like, or you could be like, fuck you, man. And it's like, you're saying the same thing, <laughs> but it's two different ways. And it's like, oh, never fuck, never. You, fuck you, man.
2: <laughs> You've done <Yeah>. it before. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
3: You me? I've done
0: both. I've done both You've before. You've done both, yeah. yeah. What, literally? nice way and you did a fun asshole
3: way. Fun Unpause. Oh, man.
0: No. I I, I, t- I totally get what you're doing. Wait, so what are you uh, doing now? You're doing e-game. You're doing e-stuff, e-s- e- right? With games and uh All
3: right, so let me just get gaming, you right? with, with with the way you're Hear going. Because you're here, saying. Bro wrong. Um, so esports and gaming. So okay. a lot of people that are not really used to it are familiar with it. We'll yeah. say like e-gaming and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: Not sorry. I'm sorry. He's, he's a brand new gamer. Do you not by want me way? to get I'm you being, familiar? He, he, I'm being
3: accountable. Yeah. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> but he
1: just started gaming about two years ago. Yeah. so he's, he's rather new. I started
3: gaming during the pandemic. Well, good know? thing for you is I've been getting people familiar forever. So I'll do it again right okay,
1: now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Hashtag get familiar.
3: um, so, Esports is just like sports. You have structured teams that have managers, that have players, that have contracts, that play in competition to win money and right. win titles. Mm-hmm. Gaming is what you do. Right. Right. So they're two different things. Got it, got it, got it. Right. Okay. Gaming is not esports. Like, phase, e-sports like is gaming. FaZe Clan is esports, which is basically. They have like, esports teams. Yeah. Esports teams, right? Yeah, they have esports teams, but they're a gaming organization. Got it, got it. Mm, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. as, as is Xset <laughs> and as is hundred. So, esports
0: is like kind of of like a competitive gaming. It's like the NBA. Right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Professional
3: competitive gaming. Yep. Wow.
1: Like yep. Ninja. And wait, and I so going.
3: and how long you've been doing that since? 17. 2017.
1: 2017. Yeah,
3: joined FaZe Clan then. They weren't... uh they weren't a, a real company or anything. they was just a bunch of popular kids online. So but we, they're,
0: they're by far like they have the biggest
3: crew of gamers. Yeah, yeah, right? they're definitely yeah, so like the
0: Lakers. They're Even th- now they have the. They're still the biggest, right?
3: Yeah, they are. They're going through some troubles, but yeah, I mean they'll always, for the history of time, they'll always go down for what you know we all did oh, together. They're going through troubles. Yeah, uh, Google. Yeah. So, anyways,
1: <laughs> come um, <laughs> on, gamer, get
3: together. I didn't want to go no, into. No, but, no, but the founders were a bunch of kids in like 2010 yeah. or 12, and like you know they were a bunch of guys that authentically got together and were doing trick sh- shots and, and gaming and became very popular online, but they didn't have a business model. So we came in and created a business model, brought in revenue, they just went to a billion dollar IPO from, yeah. from zero. So I brought everybody in there from Offset to Pitbull, Swaley, DJ Paul, Yo Gotti, Ray J, Troy Carter, Big Boy, all when, these people. When did there.
1: you depart from them?
3: Um, when I launched Exet in 2020.
1: Oh, okay. Three years later,
3: yeah. So I left that. Did Exit. We got that to a sixty-five million dollar valuation. Became the most diverse and inclusive gaming org. When did you launch that in the world? Before or during the pandemic? uh, July of twenty. So during. During. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. So then we launched Exit like three years ago.
0: So, so exactly how are you involved? You're, you're, founder. You're, so I'm you're the founder,
3: founder, VP of business development, but everything. Like, you know, what celebrities do we bring in? What partners do we have? Like the Dre's Las Vegas partnership, building those gaming lounges. I was over there building those gaming lounges. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott to Sway Lee to, you know, so T Grizzly to quality control music. Like right. I'm bringing in all these worlds and these partnerships and these investors. So you're like creating activations, events, partnerships. I'm creating the culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a gaming lifestyle brand that we built. So it's just like hip hop. Like you don't have to rap to be part of hip hop. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with gaming. You have to game to be part of the lifestyle.
2: So what <laughs> made you want to do this? What made you want to um get into gaming?
3: Uh well at the time at the time I was vice president of Dash Radio. Yeah, mm-hmm. And my buddy uh hit me up and was like, Yo, come Come over to his office, because we, we were working on some, starting some clothing line thing together. He was the former CEO and founder of KarmaLoop.com, if you remember that. And
2: by the way, you actually worked at KarmaLoop also, right? Well, I did
3: marketing with marketing. them. yeah. So, yeah, KarmaLoop
2: was based out of Boston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So and Greg Selko killed it with that. And then he got the office. Op- so we were going to do something like a new version of KarmaLoop. And then he got set up a meeting with somebody. I had to do a phase clan, calls me and says, come to our office right now in Hollywood. So I go down there and it was like the boiler room, everyone's running around, I'm Like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. It's like esports and game, I was like, what is that? So like, neither one of us knew what it was. So I'd spent a couple of days looking at it, I invested that same week uh, my own money and then I became the VP of Business Development that day and then we wow. collectively brought it to the, to the brand it became and raised $40 million and brought all the people I just said and made it 10 times bigger than it was.
1: Wow. wow. Yeah, man, I, I hear that some like T Grizzly was—he just stopped making music because he's making more money gaming at this point.
3: Well, no, T Grizzly's still got I mean, He's just dropped a new single, but he—you're um, right—he is killing it in the game. Like I signed him, we made history. I signed T Grizzly inside GTA during a game. We built an exit building, and I was an avatar, and they came to my building. Grizzly gang met us in exit, and I signed him in the game.
1: That's crazy to wow, exit. Yeah. So,
3: but that, but you're also talking to a guy that lowered himself through from a helicopter through the roof to land on my turntables at the Palms. Yeah, <laughs> so like, that's that's how I get down, guys. <laughs> hey,
0: like in, in the late 2000s, you were like on the <clears throat> E Entertainment Channel, right?
3: Yeah, from 08 to 13, I was a host on E News. Yeah, and, and that's then, why that's how I became the first resident DJ in Vegas to be on billboards in the back of taxis, and that's how hip hop came to Vegas because of Clinton Sparks. Mm.
1: Uh, I challenge me challenge I don't know about that challenge I don't know about that you said 08
3: challenge I don't know man I don't, challenge. I don't, know, man. I'll try. I don't know pull I don't out the red, receipts don't pull, pull, them pull out the receipts you're you the said, first uh, wait what did you say you were the first of what DJ to be put on billboards first resident DJ resident to be on billboards in the back of taxis
1: resident DJ meaning on the
3: back of taxis yeah you know they have them on taxis No, I think you
2: said the first resident DJ to bring hip hop into Vegas
3: that was the second thing I said. Yeah. So the second thing I said was in a major way that had a massive impact. Maybe somebody played hip hop before. But I will tell you this, when I came to Vegas in 06 and 07 and tried to, the both clubs I went to were like, we don't play hip hop here. Hip hop isn't a Vegas thing and you're not built for Vegas. I'm standing on the turntables with a microphone. Right, So they didn't like any of that shit. Yeah, yeah. So when I got to E, I'm so glad I'm with DJs that are like, like, like right now, like, no, you didn't. We were doing that shit, right? So like, when I went to <laughs> E in 08, because this was 07 the last time, I think it was the Chateau had a club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Remember that?
2: Chateau, yeah. yeah so
3: I'm, I'm standing on the turntables, and the, they turned my mic off. I'm like, what the fuck? And the manager, you know how the managers are out here. Turn his mic off, right? So they turn the mic off. And go, what the fuck? He goes, this ain't this. This ain't fucking. This is the West Coast. This is Las Vegas. There's no hip hop here. Da da da. That shit's the East Coast. We don't like people on the mic either. Now I'm not saying no one ever played hip hop before, but what I'm saying, every single Saturday, it was the biggest fucking party in out here. And was, that's At- undeniable. Like we created the whole like all the theatrics and everything that went on inside a club from fucking zip lines to fucking. All the fucking confetti cannons and balloons and celebrities. Dude, I'll have parties with, like, Asher Roth, Tony Braxton, Tyrese, Neo, and fucking Paris Hilton on stage with me at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the party every Saturday. Mayweather and Brody Jenner and fucking Ash- and fucking Sean Kingston. Next week, Kanye West and Akon and <coughs> Lady Gaga performed at my at my party, I introducing mean, her for the first time. I mean,
0: time. it was still, it was going on in the early
3: 2000s and even later. Well, late yeah, because Vice, yeah. look, first of all, um, um, I would say like even babies had AM.
0: They had like a- DJ AM. AM. No, no. AM was- Because to me, AM was the first DJ, uh, like hip hop DJ to get uh, a million dollar contract. 100%.
3: AM paved the way for people like me. Right. Mm -hmm. AM- was was mashing up shit. Mm-hmm. But not a straight hip hop DJ.
0: But there were there were straight hip hop parties. Like uh Shecky, you know Shecky Green? Yep, I'm yeah. Yeah. records. Yeah. Sure. So Shecky was like he was doing what, Thursday Thursday?
2: He was doing was actually we was doing Thursdays at Light. Yeah. At and it was Light all in the Bellagio. hip-hop. It was this was all like hip-hop. in two thousand three. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
3: cool. It was still around. Yeah. Cool. So like I said, there's a difference from people that play it. Or a subculture where something's happening to where it's now mainstream and it's a big deal and it's highlighted on billboards right. and promoted on a global network. Like but e.
0: but if I think hip hop was already growing at that time, it probably. was probably and up. maybe yeah, I yeah. was a guy that like yeah. went like that and, and I think you were, it over. I think maybe you were the perfect like face for it for
3: yeah. E to the you know yeah. to be the perfect face for it. But it was it was yeah, a way. of, course, of, of course. People played hip hop records. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying no one ever played a hip hop record, no. but no one's ever in here like fucking. Even though what we do is wrong, and like going into that and fucking all dip set sets and Rockefeller sets in mainstream. I mean, we were doing. We it. Yeah, doing? We were doing. <laughs>
1: was, uh, doing, doing well, how about this? <laughs> nobody fucking knew. No, no. no one knew. Nobody knew. For you, uh, people. <laughs> they, <laughs> <laughs>
3: I got motherfuckers familiar
1: uh, no, no. I don't know, I don't you're know. a great
0: promoter right. no I give you I give you the balls to put that on the table mm. there.
1: Yeah. No, no no I
3: hip hop. same thing <laughs> same thing with LA nobody came in in LA I, I'll give you LA oh, man, so, I'm I'll not give, gonna touch no, LA no, Man. No,
1: I'll, I'll give you LA and
3: by the way maybe when Jamie could say, say something no, about I'll give him LA wait
1: wait but let me change
3: this now too just so you know especially LA of course
0: it's gonna be I say
1: shit about it. no 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 of course it's gonna be Gonna gonna a lot be, for LA. I'm not even going to front. Of, I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't do some shit for LA. Of mm-hmm.
3: course, there's going to be some hood spots, yeah, right? Now, what I'm saying is, what I mean is, <clears throat> the same way like E News of course there's fucking someone talked about hip-hop on fucking TV before. There's MTV. Mm -hmm. But when I got to E! News, I made it globally mainstream by bringing the The Tullib Qalil's and the Pharrell's and all these guys on E! News. They never talked about that shit. If it wasn't Paris or Britney Spears, they weren't talking about it. See, what's funny is when you went on E! News, uh, some of us were like, oh man, he fucking, he he turned his back on hip-hop. Yeah, he sold out. Funk Flexin' them used to call me the Tom Cruise of (laughs) 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 hip-hop. But wait, how could I turn my back when I'm the one helping introduce us to a new audience i yeah. mean but yeah i feel like you were it was just like kind
0: of you're like the,
1: you're, the, you're the cowboy that went over the hill no so it's kind, kind of understand. like hey we
0: need like uh someone to like hip-hop's really popping right now like we're, i'm just imagining the boardroom meeting like hip-hop's really popping popping right now we need like a friendly face to kind of represent vault? the shit on here and then but we're not going to use a person of color we're going to use like a a friendly good-looking like uh poster poster boy white guy sure. that we can that, sell it to and that
3: that yeah. very is why there's a lot of problems in the world right because those kind of assumptions that are, couldn't be further from the truth mm-hmm. is what creates well, real yeah, that's feelings that mean. We, and we, then we, fucking yeah.
0: problems right well, but that's what we were thinking so we're like yo this motherfucker kind of sold out he was mm-hmm. making hood ass mixtapes and now he's on E! News and
3: now I'm introducing them to E! News he's,
0: he's
2: getting that money <laughs> yeah. right he's getting no, so, so <laughs> he he made,
0: real, he's E! He he's doing, doing E! He News money alright so
3: here's the real story now that'll make you say damn I was fucking wrong yeah yeah, let's do it all Right, so it's not the same vegas story that you were saying to us this is this is real this is <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's, 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 it's it's equally as real as the vegas thing all right ready so um so a girl this girl named Baz boz that worked at arista she was like hey can you come to new york for my boyfriend who's doing a conference for i forget what the college trade magazine was at the time and i was like yeah of course whatever you need so she like cool then I end up getting a, a call from Paul Rosenberg, who's like, "Yo, M's coming mm-hmm. to Boston. Uh, we we got a show at the at the Garden. Uh, we want to bring you out." And I was like, "What day?" And he tells me the day. And it's the same day as I'm going. to, I already promised to do New York. Mm-hmm. So I call back. While I was like, oh, "Hey, man, I got this opportunity. Will, will your boyfriend Ben uh, Lyons be mad if I don't go?" She's like, "Oh my God, you'll break his heart. He's a big fan. This is you can't you can't back out. He's basing it around you." So. I right, fuck it. I, don't, I, I stick to my word. And I don't do the thing with M. So then the day comes, I got to go to New York, and it's a blizzard. I got to fucking drive to New York in a blizzard. First of all, I'm like, who the fuck's even going to come in a blizzard? Second of all, I got to drive five hours in a blizzard. So I drive all the way there, and it was me, Kid Capri, and uh, Jusky. We were the three DJs oh, wow. on the panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was like five people in the audience, right? But I went there, did it, act like it was the most important thing. Treated Ben like he was the most important guy, and uh, you know we hung out, and then that was that. Then fast forward three months later, I get a call from this guy Ben, and he goes, um, "Hey, would you ever want to uh, talk music on E News like I do movies?" Because he was the movie critic Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. E News. His dad's, you know, Jeffrey Lyons, the famous New York film critic.
2: Oh shit, I didn't, I didn't know that.
3: Yeah. Um, So I was like, "What do you mean?" Like I literally said, "Like Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, Hollywood." E, and he was like, "Yeah." I was like. Uh, I don't know because I, like you I was thinking what the fuck would that have to do with me yeah. and what I'm doing right so then he was like yeah I was like oh, uh, then I thought oh, maybe this is a way that I can bring hip hop to that platform uh-huh. so the like, guy right, cool so I flew out there that I was going to get an interview I went straight on the air uh, then I did it again in the second week. Then the third week, I'm on the air three weeks in a row. I'm like, am I getting hired? So like, that's how I got the job. One, from being a man of my word and sticking to going to do that thing for Ben even when I had the opportunity to go at Eminem. And then two, this guy who's a real hip-hop head, like legit hip-hop head from New York, was a fan of mine and hip-hop. and was like, fuck, who do I know that I can get to come on here and promote and bring hip-hop to E! News? So that's how that really happened. Mm. And then you were there for how long? Five years. Five years. Yeah, because I remember at the time, I mean, because we,
0: look, Nevin and I have been doing clubs. He's been doing it since the late 90s. I've been doing it since like the 2000s. 2000s. So we were in the New York club scene. We're both from New York, okay. And then we came to Vegas probably in the mid two thousands. You a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. two thousand three, um, yeah, two thousand three. Mm-hmm. And so that we know about the whole club scenes. But mm-hmm. the mixtape, we were kind of following you to at the same time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you know, at that time, there was kind of like more. There was a clear separation. There was like radio DJs, yeah, club you know, DJs, club mix DJs, DJs. mixtapes. So like when you started doing clubs in Vegas, we were like, oh, this is dope. And it was the whole E thing. We we're like. Okay, like he went to get a bag, you know. He kind of turned his. We felt like, oh maybe like you know, he's like he's he's going like the the Hollywood route, you know. And then I think you started making like EDM songs, so we were like, oh, he he completely like he's like <laughs> fuck fuck hip
2: hop. You know dope, what I'm this saying? This is dope to hear he had, from he like banded, colleagues. He abandoned <clears throat> hip hop. Yeah,
3: no, no, but see, <laughs> but this is the time when a but lot. Wait, of, can I? I gotta play some. Hold that thought. Because yeah. let me just tell you How fucking ahead I was Of all you motherfuckers Wait wait But th- let me finish this Because <laughs>
0: right. at the time With club DJs yeah. There was a line in the sand Where it was like Oh if you're a hip hop DJ Or if you're a uh, mashup Or open format The open format term Didn't exist at that time mm. But they were like you're, If you're hip hop Or are you a house DJ And everyone's right. like They're looking for EDM DJs right. So a lot of these Hip-hop DJs were like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm going I'm to I'm jump on the EDM wagon. I'm going to switch
2: it up. Yep. I'm going to
0: switch it up. Yep. They, they they, tried to market themselves totally. as EDM guys and yep. stuff. And so we were just like, oh, shit, Clint Sparks doing that shit now, All too. Right. So we were like, he's jumping on that wagon as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And then when hip-hop came back, I don't know, five or so years later, mm-hmm. these motherfuckers couldn't, like, they were trying to remarket themselves as hip-hop motherfuckers again. And it was just like, oh, shit, these like, kind of flipping, mm-hmm. flippity-flopping them back. And, you know, Yeah, whatever. well, yeah, yeah.
3: two things. One. Yeah. When you're a business, that's called moving with the market so that you can survive and still sell whatever product you're selling, uh, if you're thinking at it from a business point of view. But secondly, uh, I'll tell you why I did it. and it, I didn't follow the trend. I was the trend, and I'll tell you how. Uh, when I was on Shade 45, which is arguably the hardest fucking hip-hop station I ever For I'll, sure, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So like, I'm on there, and I'm like, we started getting into the snap rap era. Right, and I'm so used to coming in with my sets. If you guys ever heard me on Shave Forty Five, I come in fucking shutting the building down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, and I'm like, fuck all this. And I'm like, this shit is weak as fuck, right? And this is at the time when I signed DJ Snake, so I'm going overseas a lot mm-hmm. as a DJ, but then even with Snake, so I'm listening to music over there like. <laughs> I'm like, this is fucking hard as shit. And it's given me that aggression that I'd feel when you're playing fucking Dipset or G-Unit or CNN or Mob Deep mm-hmm. that I wasn't getting anymore more hip-hop. It wasn't filling my, like, anymore in hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. So when i go, go over there, I'd hear that shit. I'd be like, give me fucking more of that. So I went home, and I'm the guy that slowed it down to go, boom, 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 D-block, I put Big Sean, Rick Ross, G Unit, all these motherfuckers on, up on EDM and house music before it even got here. So I'm going to their studios and their houses and I'm like, yo, rock, rock on this. And they'd be like, yo, what? And I, at first I was playing it at the 128. Yeah. And they were like, nah, so then I'd slow it down to like 80, right? And then they'd be like, yo, this shit is fucking hard. Some of them, I had to trick them and put them on a regular beat and then switch it to a slow down electronic record. Uh Then when I'd play it back to them, they'd be like, what the fuck? And then I remember I went to Steve Aoki and I was like, yo, check this out. And he listened to it, he goes, damn, and to your point, I look at you to see what's hot in hip hop. You're doing this now? And I was like, this is what's going to be next that's hot in hip hop. And what came next that was hot in hip hop? EDM and dubstep and with hip hop and all the rappers got involved with it. I was three years ahead of that shit.
0: I don't know if that was hip-hop, but I think it was like whatever, pop music,
3: yeah. Sure, whatever you music, want to call yeah. it, it was hip-hop mixed with EDM. It was hip-hop artists performing on EDM. Yeah. Everybody was doing it, Kid Cudi is a rapper. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had What's a What's re- the biggest a- EDM the Quirkus, song yeah. that you play today still? You know what I'm saying? It's hip-hop. You're saying Kid Cudi's not hip-hop? Oh, that was a remix. Yeah, that was an it's EDM hip-hop. remix. Yeah. It's hip-hop. Yeah. It's If you're being like a purist hip-hop head right now- I'm not being a purist at hip-hop. All right, so the, the elements uh, of yeah. hip-hop, that was another- another chapter of hip hop which we've gone through many throughout hip hop whether it was like you know being conscious rap whether it being you know gangster rap it went through different things all that was was a different sound of the music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying and if you don't accept that then you're not accepting the evolution of hip hop that got us back to here no no i mean you can
0: I think we can see it as an evolution, definitely. I, I think it can. I think it's more of an evolution of pop music,
3: and I think m- hip hop is a so. Part then of that pop means hip hop is too, because that's what's pop now is hip hop. No,
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think you have a point. I think.
3: I think. Uh, I, I, kind I of mean, is A Track not hip hop? David Getter and Snake were hip hop DJs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hip hop, right? Are they yeah. not hip hop because they play EDM?
0: I think, like you said, like there's culture and there's business. Mm-hmm. And
3: I think there's there's a, a separation in the two. See, I don't I don't I never got caught up in the separating. Just whatever's dope is dope. Right, so I was never like, oh, that ain't real. Oh, da-da-da, even like when the SoundCloud rapping started and everyone, like 2015, old heads and young heads of button heads, and everyone's like, ah, oh, this mumble rap, That's da 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 it's like, no, it's not, it's a new way of expressing that these fucking guys figured out that's dope to them. And you fucking fighting it means you're an old fucking dinosaur that doesn't understand or appreciate or respect, you know, experimenting or doing new shit.
0: Yeah, but it's also the same thing of you saying like snap music is like, oh, this is like weird hip hop, but like, yo, this EDM has that same aggression energy. Do you know what I'm saying? But but no, it's just different. It's, it's not just for me. me. I, I said not I wasn't you, doing yeah. it for me. I didn't I say it's not hip hop. I still celebrate. Oh it yeah, for sure. As an era of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think, I think for, for a club as a club DJ, it was very apparent what was like obvious club music with Guetta getting Nicki Minaj on a record or mm-hmm. Usher on a record. Mm-hmm. That was a bag. Everyone's trying to get a bag, right? Yep, right. I don't know if that's necessarily to push hip hop forward. Do you know what I'm saying? It's everyone capitalizing, it's labels capitalizing, producers capitalizing, even rappers capitalizing off of opportunities and money what's and visibility and presence and what's hot at the moment. So I think, do I consider that like hip hop culture? If you want to say, well, part of the music industry, it's part of the music industry, yeah. But I don't think like if you talk about hip hop, I don't think motherfuckers like, you know, when I go back to New York, if I was going to Harlem or if I went to like my old block, or even if I went to certain parts of L.A., that they were necessarily rocking some of that shit on the streets or anything like that. Let, me, ask, Bobby, let me put it you know? this way. But that, but that's why, to me, what happened after the EDM era and what, what emerged in New York and what emerged LA. in L.A. was the resurgence of this new hip-hop sound with Mustard, and then you had like uh, Bobby Schmirter, yeah. you had French Montana, you had all these motherfuckers coming out, and Two to chains. me, that's hip-hop. I think... The EDM the EDM portion that you're talking about, you know, I think it had hip hop artists in there, but I wouldn't consider it hip hop. There's elements of hip hop in it, but I don't think it's like necessarily a hip hop culture. I think it was 100% an opportunity to like package and sell and be like, oh, these are big artists and how can I get more visibility on these songs and have it cross over to all markets. But I do agree like that, I think it's pop music, but I don't necessarily think like hip hop like it's hip hop you know what I mean yeah I mean I mean at the time I think we we felt like we were abandoned a little bit for me yeah
3: damn sorry guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, no no, I no feel what, like, you know? I, let
3: me tell you what I what I was attempting <coughs> right, to do right and I think I succeeded was stretch the boundaries of what a dj can be mm-hmm. and I think like at that time the most a dj was was maybe a host on mtv right? And like, Mm -hmm. they weren't, they weren't building themselves as brands. They weren't stretching the boundaries. They weren't touching audiences that wouldn't typically listen to hip hop. And if I was, as you say, the safe way to be introduced to something, Mm -hmm. so be it. If I get to introduce you to it and to your point, listen, I agree with you because I believe everybody's point of view is right right because it's right for them mm-hmm. and i'm not going to debate which what's more real what's more hip-hop because it's whatever's good to you is great to you you do who who we'd argue like all i know sure. all i know is i am fucking hip-hop so if i do something it's hip-hop because i am hip-hop just like if you're asian and you mm-hmm. do something an asian did it regardless what it is you're an asian at the core of who you are so an asian did this mm-hmm. i'm hip-hop to the core so if i play <coughs> a fucking guitar that's a hip-hop guy playing a guitar that's how I look at it. it. doesn't mean I'm not hip-hop anymore because I played a guitar because I am hip-hop. Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? No, no. So that's what I meant by it. And now I'm totally aware of the, the abuse and the commercialization and labels saying, let's jump on this bandwagon. Well, we all know that shit. We all know the good from the whack. Yeah, we all yeah. know the attempt from like, ah, oh, this is another fucking whack 128 and they put a rapper on it. We all know that. We all were able to pick out, we all would know like, ah, oh, this one's dope. Right? Or this one's fucking trash. So like we all agree as DJs like what's good music and what's not. But as far as like what satisfies yourself or feeds your need and you know, uh, affection with, with music is subject to your own personal taste and opinion. So like, I don't discredit snap rap at all it's a part of hip hop forever and yeah. for sure it just was the, the wasn't, funny
0: thing is it's the most it's probably one of the most besides like New Orleans the New Orleans bounce Yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the most prevalent sounds that are still relevant now yeah. in the people clubs people are redoing it now yeah, yeah. 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 And, mm-hmm.
3: like, and like look and, I'll, and I play it too but like I'm just saying at the time mm-hmm. from my show on Shade 45 yeah, it yeah. was empty for like hard because I come on like boom boom, boom, boom woo, sirens all that let me give you another thing i'll challenge where do you think where do you think all the radio djs on mix shows came up with all the theatrics and sound effects and punching their name through their song i'm I'm gonna you're gonna say it's Clint sparks Sparks. you're familiar it's clinton sparks
1: (laughs) It was not Clint flex. Bar.
3: The only person, no, only Cla- person. No, no, I don't know what's going on at this point. It <laughs> was <laughs> Funk Flex. It was playing bombs. Yeah, but all the. the they, they doing? That? <laughs> oh.
1: But okay, wasn't they doing on LA radio, Jamie? Yeah, because I, I, I remember, man, I do remember people. Were you the doing? first to do
3: gunshots in a mixtape?
0: No, because that's yeah. the best sound effect of all time. First, favorite, favorite.
3: <laughs> was it the street sweeper? Was it K Slay? I it was all like I don't know who the first because we all were kind of doing. Yeah, it, so first, uh, yeah, doing. I it was Slay. I wouldn't be surprised if it was k Slay. Rest in peace, Slay.
0: Yes. Wow.
3: Yeah, Slay's a man.
0: You'll be. You, you, he's not only the hip hop Gary V, but he's like, the, like the white soldier boy. He's like, <laughs> it's all started for me. <laughs> <laughs> this Vegas shit started for me, and I did all the. the hey, radio good. Thing. The good thing about
3: soldier, he's right most of the time. <laughs> Eighty you percent. Know? Wait, so you're saying you started all the radio theatrics
0: of uh, the like the sound effects, or or the or you mean the club,
3: even like punching your name at the beginning of your beats. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing that. Clint Sparks Giga get, get, get familiar was at the beginning of all my beats. People used to tell me to take it off.
1: Mm, I'm so, trying to remember, I mean, but you might be right.
2: I
3: am right, dude. I've been around hip hop. K. Slade
2: was doing that on the radio. No, on his radio show.
3: I'm talking about like like mustard like on the beat, like, like, like yeah, no like, one had like, like tagline. No one had poisoned their beats. If like, yeah, like he's doing. saying, like if Young Metro don't shoot you, yeah, that, that intro
1: stuff, mm-hmm.
0: right? I'm, yeah, I well, can't, I can't think of. Well, it's gonna, get, it's, no, <laughs> it's, it's I, gonna go at
1: this. Someone's gonna get so, mad. I know. No, well, someone's gonna good. double down and say I, he's no, right. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> love from what I remember. It was you. It was the get familiar, the girl, the girl voice, but then it was also the heavy hitters. Like every time, heavy, heavy hitters, heavy tucker, hitters. Tucker. but um, it was those two taglines. But I can't fucking recall. Well, who it did it, it first. had to start from a DJ
0: because it's a DJ. Drop. Yeah, it's, it's
1: going it's to be essentially more, a DJ yeah. drop,
0: right?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. But I would say even more back in the day, I would have to say maybe. It wasn't a a drop, but I give props to Pete Rock as one of the first producers to, like, say his name on a fucking track. Rapping.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but Well, no, just to say another Pete Rock remix. remix, remix, Just to even acknowledge
0: that, like, to say a producer's name on a track was, like, Pete Rock. And then Diddy kind of like yeah, started. Yeah, I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. And then if it. there was
3: no P-Rock, there wouldn't be a Diddy talking. Nah, there was Marley Mall. Yeah. Like there was, nah, there was fucking Scott LaRock. Like this D-Nice fucking made a whole song with his name in it and he produced it and wrote it and rapped it.
0: But nah, like to, <laughs> to say it, to be like, the producers were always quiet and to come out yeah. at the end
3: and be like another P-Rock
0: Ma- remix. Like,
2: you don't really know who, who produced Ma- the records. Le-Mal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
0: whole fucking song is there. But then he would
3: him. also ad-lib on the songs. He'd be yeah. like talking in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: I got to give it to P-Rock, I think. You know, you might I, say you're onto
3: something, I think, because I had I had Jermaine Dupri on my show recently. I said, who came up with, like, talking behind the records first? You a Puff. It was Jermaine. Jermaine said him, right? But I think he's right. I think it's P-Rock. P-Rock. P-Rock, P-Rock, P-Rock yeah, was, was, But P-Rock was just kind of, like, nonchalant every like, now and, and then. It like wasn't in, his thing. Yeah, yeah. This is,
2: like, in 91, 92. Yeah. So I would yeah, yeah. say definitely P-Rock. Yeah, because... <laughs> because that's when yeah, I... Uh, that's, that's when right, I really
0: yeah. wanted to be... I wanted to be like a producer Because I'm like Oh shit we could say our names How would I say my name In the beginning Of my own remix uh-huh. How would I do the ad-libs Because like, he would be on the ad-libs Sometimes just talking In the background Yep and shit yeah mm-hmm.
3: but yeah, by the way just so we're clear I didn't say I was the first person to say my name in, in mixes <laughs> no. in mixes I said all the theatrics theatrics <laughs> all the sirens and the planes going by and the sound effects and punching Shoot. your name and all that <laughs> shit <laughs> 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 and making my shit sound like it was echoing before we had machines that did that really yeah no Desert Storm had to do the echoing <laughs> yeah. shit no no I don't want to <laughs>
0: touch it uh, I want
3: to go <laughs> no Dude, not, Storm, not my Storm, voice Storm. I'm not talking about my voice echoing. You, I'm talking, talking about the effects and the shit that I'm doing.
1: Oh, Bro, okay, no one could even that.
3: believe I was doing the shit I was doing live until they came that. and seen me. I, I had a, I had turntables, uh, keyboard, a keyboard, a sampler, a sampler, an instant replay, yeah. all that shit. Nobody, nobody no, was doing that say, shit. Once
2: again, K State was doing the jail cell. Um, yeah, the
3: yeah, yeah.
1: I remember that. <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> in all,
3: who has the greatest? I think that might be one of the greatest. I think
1: so. Yeah, <laughs> that
0: might be. Hey, I have, I have a question. In Boston, when you were when you were popping, you're doing. Did you ever have to deal with Benzino? <gasps>
1: That's a good question.
3: Yeah. Uh, no, Ray was always a, a good dude to me. We always really? had a great relationship. Yeah, yeah. There was this one story that's interesting. Um, and I just seen him recently too. Like, I'm, I'm super happy w- where he's gone with his life. But um, it's funny because- I mean, his daughter's killing it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, people don't know like how big Benzino was a fucking big deal in Boston. Yeah, no, he was yeah. shook. Yeah, he was yeah, shook. Yeah, he was shook yeah, 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 night, yeah, right? right. Yeah. So like, yeah, but people- I was, really, was kind of curious because you were blowing up so
0: much. I wonder if if he- was like if you had to kind of like, you know,
3: kind of show him love, like, you know, like, yo like show well, respect I, I mean, to him. Sh- I show love and respect to anybody everywhere, anyways. And I yeah, think yeah. the only time people kind of press up on you is when like you're an asshole hmm. or, or like, you know, you think you're better than everybody or yeah, something, yeah. you know what I mean? That's when they got something to prove. But I always got respect in the hood because I always respected the hood because I'm from the hood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I always looked out for people and I always treated everybody well and, and the same. So I never had any issues like that. Um, but there was one time I got summoned uh, to go see uh, Ray Dog. That was his name in Ray Boston. Dog. Yeah. Oh. Um, and they were like, yo, he wants to see you, so I had to go to this uh studio. What were you like? Were you like carrying groceries and then a van pulled up and they No, like, I No, No, don't remember. <laughs> no, it wasn't. bit uh, nah. yeah, was of a little bit of a little bit of a
2: little bit of a little bit of a
3: little Fuck of a little
2: bit I a little bit of a little
3: bit of a little in of so like a an and they had yeah, yeah. a studio in the back. And it, you a know, it was, you know, you walking in like these dudes are all playing video games. And you went Dolan, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I walk down here. These guys are doing whatever. Then I walk down a long hallway and we go into his studio. And then uh he was like, "Sparks, I want to play you some records and let me know what you oh, think shit. about them." So, like I said, I'm always honest, a matter of fact about shit. So I'm like, "Fuck, man, I hope they're good, right?" <laughs> so um he plays a couple records and then I give him my opinion on what could be better. What
0: year wh- is this? What year is this? Fuck, I don't. know Was kid. this
3: when he dropped that single? The.
0: Whew, where the party at? What was it, it, it might the have been. Song? It
3: was around then.
0: Yeah, that yeah. was like
2: two thousand three. Well, what was the song? Was, it was it where the party? Uh, uh, rock the party. Yeah. Rock the party.
3: Scott Storch wasn't gonna yeah. yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, I still remember. I think I still have that record. It's white. It's a white, just black letters. Um. Anyway, so they call me and I say what I think about it, and it wasn't like the best feedback, um, but it was the honest feedback and the right yeah. feedback for what he should be doing. Yeah. And I, the room got fucking. The tension was like. I'm just, I'm waiting because all you hear about is like people just getting beat downs. <laughs> I <Right here. right? laughs> I didn't hear that, oh, but I was, I'm just, I, I literally thought to myself, all right, I have to get a beat down now. This is yeah. going to be like five, <laughs> five dudes. That no, you right. said it calmly, like you in, were accepting it. In my others. mind, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to get a beat you're
1: down. are like, I'm punching that dude, mm-hmm. and I'm Buck kicking this guy. The, the, no, beat, no, no, the no, beat down no. is
3: inevitable at this point. Yes.
1: I got to just take it. Just get it over
3: with. There's
0: nothing I can do he, at like, this He like took point. off his hat. He took off his chain. He's just like, taking his rings off. What are
3: you
1: doing?
0: You think I showed up with a chain? I would have, I
3: would have showed up with a shooter.
1: Yeah, I, I would have had somebody around the corner. I would have yeah. had someone with something on him. For <laughs> I've,
3: I've never, I've walked a lot of places by yeah. myself. Like I just, I don't know if it's naivety or just like I just. So you're not even caring when you went to see Benji? No, no. Oh, like you I'm weren't fucking, a little nervous? I'm like twenty. I don't know, he it's 23. Like, yeah. I mean,
1: you were robbing people. I would assume. That, you, <laughs> <carrying> <laughs> not yeah, that was the past. past. <laughs> that was the past. though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, yo, I'm going to go see. Ben so ben brought, I no, brought some that.
3: throwing darts. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was his response? Uh,
1: so that's what I was getting to. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: so then this we pause, and He just kind of looks up and he does like this. Which, which I'm, I'm thinking I'm translating to like You done fucked up how the, how the fuck are we gonna hurt this dude Right That's what I'm thinking Should I hurt uh, this dude Yeah <laughs> And then he just goes and he looked at me he goes I respect that Sparks I respect that You want something to eat and I was like, ah, oh, fucking, thank goodness. <laughs> but like, we've been cool ever since. Then. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but like, mm-hmm. I've always had respect for, you know, what he's built, what he's done. And then, like, you know, Made Man and Je- Jeff, two times a DJ I'm good friends with yeah. over the years. So, I mean, yeah, it's always been cool. Even when he started Hip Hop Weekly and, you know, he'd come to Dash and, yeah. How was the music? Was it like an album? I don't remember. I don't even remember what he played me. I just I think he played like two or three records. Oh, okay. Mm. Wow. I mean, that's, that's,
0: that's, that's good that you were honest with the, you know, yeah. at least, at least you didn't like, soup I mean, up. It, a lot, so I feel like a lot like, of motherfuckers would have souped them get up. Get with cast yeah. his ass up. Like, oh, so- man, this shit
2: is bad. Yo.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, most motherfuckers would. Yeah. And he's like, you gonna put it on your next tape? You're like, eh. Ah. <laughs>
2: I don't know. About I think that. I had enough songs for the, for the <laughs> I wouldn't be radio. surprised <laughs> if
3: that was asked, actually. That would be like a common thing to say, like, can you put this on your next well, tape? Well, it would be your feedback.
0: Because if it was semi good, he would be like, yo, can you put it on your tape, probably. And I probably
3: right? would have been like, yo, let's make these changes,
1: da da da, this, this and that. And, you and, would have helped, and,
2: helped him out to make the song better. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: I have a question for you. Uh, uh, what, what route did you do that Drama didn't fuck. do that led him to end up being incarcerated for other mixtape shit?
3: Uh, I wasn't as big and popular as him.
1: Because I was wondering. I'm so like,
3: it's more like what route did I not do?
1: Yeah. That, so that, what route did you do that he did? But
3: I will tell you this that no one knows except drama um, that we I was next. So oh, under- oh. my lawyer called me at Mix Unit and said, do X, Y, and Z right now. I'll call you later. So I hung up. And then later on, I found out we were going to get raided and the feds were going to do us. But my lawyer is a big dog. So he was at... In, I guess Interscope had something to do with what was going to happen to me. So he stopped it. And then he called me the next day. He, was, he told me this whole story. is like, you guys were going down. You were about to be a rat.
1: Yeah, because Jimmy Iovine was looking for motherfuckers at that point.
3: I don't know. I don't really? know about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: he was, he, was, he was looking for – he was trying to take down everybody after Napster. So Dude. he was after all the counterfeit and all the, like, illegal shit. He was I feel like this. they really – And if like, you're saying Interscope was – Part of the do I mean it's only him that in mm. the in the defiant ones it shows that
3: you know what you know what sucks is that I was talking to Drama recently and we were like because like there's kind of a resurgence of mixtapes and people mm-hmm. are looking for I get hundreds of DMs a week of like yo where's this mixtape where's this but this is my mi- favorite mix, mixunit dot com is still going I right? have nothing to do with that I haven't have I haven't since of Over a decade, because
0: I, I looked at it and it's they're still moving mixtapes. The, they yeah, got the yeah. l- l- new uh, Uzi vert on there. Yeah, and it's they got crazy. the, the mixtapes like $6, I got nothing to do with that. Six ninety nine for a download.
3: God damn! That's but just, none of us, none of us, like. Archived or save the sessions of our mixtapes. Yeah. So none of us like have like. You don't have masters or anything? Nope. You know, uh, it's funny, Cornerstone just hit me the other day. Fader magazine. Oh, wow, I mean. Cornerstone. So Fader that hit me. That was the number
2: one, yeah. yeah. Back in the
0: day.
3: Fader is doing for uh, hip hop's 50th anniversary, they're doing something with Apple with all. Do you guys remember the Cornerstone mixtapes? Yeah. yeah. Right? So I did a bunch of those.
0: Some of the best packaging ever. Right? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. me, Green, Mark Ronson, a yeah. lot of us that Just Blaze. Mm-hmm. So I guess they're doing something with Apple, and in August, they're re releasing those to. Apple. Apple and they called to get my permission. Oh, that's, to Oh, okay, no, really? Finally, goddamn! Yeah, because yeah. God,
1: yeah, yeah. I would wish like like the Draw three little Wayne that should be in the Wait, fucking. So your catalog of mixtapes, the hundred plus mixtapes that you've made,
0: right? It's not found anywhere online. Like people, no, there's a bunch. They, yeah, they you can a DAP
3: if or whatever the, whatever sites you can probably find dozens of them. Wow. Um, but there's a lot that's not. Cause I didn't really get down with. Remember, to to them, I'm the enemy. I'm mixed unit, so they ain't gonna support my shit. Yeah. But probably later on, they probably like, All right, let's just upload his shit. But at the time, they wouldn't, cause they're looking at me as competition.
0: But do you do you have like, let's say, someone wanted to have your whole catalog and kind of repost or putting on streaming apps. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you be able to access them somehow?
3: Well, yeah, I have them. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of them are digitized, but you couldn't do that. It's it's too many, it's too much legalities to get them cleared. Right. There's It's It's too many 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 Yeah, it's too much. You need fucking 6,000 clearances for one mixtape.
1: Yeah, because like every mixtape had like, what, like 20 songs or some shit. It was packed. But then
3: even mine, like I'm switching beats, taking this, taking a verse from that, a, a chorus from that, some words from here, making a new chorus, like. It's just so much. Yeah.
0: who's a, who's your favorite, like kind of artist of all time? Artist? Like, yeah, that was on your mixtapes. On my,
1: and you like, just
3: wanted them on all. of You just like kept having them on.
1: Like he was a must-have every mixtape. Or oh, you know who was, was on
3: probably every single one of my mixtapes from the beginning? Cardinal official. Mm.
1: Oh, shout to Yeah, from
3: the T dot. You know yeah. he's a host on Canada's Got Talent now. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's right next to Howie Mandel. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's having a big resurgence right now too. Dangerous was a huge record yeah. Yeah. last yeah. year again, and then he's he's doing a lot. He's I'm, getting all the love and respect that he deserves. Like how Busta's going through this, yeah, kind of giving him the flowers. Cardi's kind of going through that too. Yeah, yeah. why wow, that's that's crazy, Cardi, huh? He you know. was just nasty. He could rap. He could do dance all, He could do. You everything. know what's funny when when me and k Slave made we made an epic mixtape together called uh, "Kill Yourself," fucking epic mixtape, right? And I remember saying, "Let's put Cardinal on this song." He's like man, I don't know what the fuck that guy is. I don't know if he's Jamaican, if he's a rapper, if he's reggae. Like, I don't know what the fuck he is. (laughs) It was just so funny. I'm like, no, he's a rapper, bro. Yeah, but I don't even understand half the shit he says. Yo, K-Slay was awesome. Like, we were really good friends and we had like a unique kind of like, uh, I don't know who to compare it to, but like, you know, white guy that jokes like not too manly, and straight, straight. K Slade was like straight, uh, street. Street sweeper, right? (laughs) So like whenever we're together, it's funny because we're like two different worlds, but we get along so well. Uh And even when we did that mixtape, I kept, um, and this goes to show like perseverance, right? So I, I drove to New York and I said, said let's do a mixtape together. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, come meet me. So I go there, I'm waiting, I'm gonna tell the short version of it. Um, I'm waiting outside from him, he doesn't show up. I wait 24 hours, he doesn't show up. I wait the next day, he's not showing up, responding to me. Goes live on the air, doing his show. I'm like, well, he's fucking here, he's on the radio. After the job, I'm hitting him up, he doesn't respond. I hang out for 48 hours in my car, slept in my car. He didn't fucking respond, I go home. My friend's like, man, make a disc tape against him. I'm like, no, that's not part of my plan. And they're like, nah, but he made you wait. And I go, it doesn't fucking matter. My plan is to get this done. Yeah. Right? I go, his priority is not the same as mine. So I, I hit him a week later as if nothing happened. Yo, Slay, what up, bro? He's like, yo, what's up, man? When we doing that tape? Right? Now, the average motherfucker would be like, man, I waited for you last week. Why would I do that? Right? So- I go there again, he says, come out here. I end up waiting again like 24 hours. Um, I I pull up on him in front of his house as he's walking into his building. I'm like, yo, Slay, jump in the car. He's like, what is this, what is this? Like, joking around. I go, jump in the car, I got an idea. So I bring him to the middle of Central Park. And he goes, man, where the fuck we going? Ain't no lights out here. Man, it ain't fucking good out here, man, for me to be doing this shit, right? And uh, you know how you guys know Slay like that? Like, that's, he's fucking awesome. So we get there and I go, all right, get out of the car. He goes, man, what the fuck you're trying to do, man? I'm like, no, just fucking trust me, Slade. Just jump out. So we jump out. I put my friend in the trunk, a white guy, in the trunk with a camera. I say, here, put this shirt on. He puts the shirt and I go, here, hold this shovel, right? And I go, now put your hand on the trunk. And he goes, man, I'm a fucking black guy out here with a white dude in the trunk holding a fucking shovel. If the cops come, I'm going to fucking jail. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, you're with me, right? So then he goes, <laughs> so then he, so he's like, man, fucking Sparks, what the fuck you got me doing? So I'm like, so I, go, I go, you ready? He goes, yeah, ready. I go. I make a face, he do it, get the picture, I right, jump back in the car. We go home, I go up into his house, I go, here, read this script. Have him read the script, I got PC in a week. Go home, I put the whole shit together put his vocals on it, make the cover. If you go look at the cover, it's Kill mm-hmm. Yourself, Clinton Sparks and Casely. You could probably pull it up right now yeah, and see yeah. what it looks like. You see it? Oh uh, Yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to add it to the, uh, the episode. Right? So you see it, and that's us in the middle of the night in Central Park, and that's me getting that done. But let me, t- <laughs> let, me, let, let me tell you the benefit of not getting emotional and like being mad at him or reminding him that he dissed me, which by the way, that's never a fucking smart thing to remind somebody that you're doing trying to do business with. Like, you dissed me before. It's fucking awkward, right? So he goes on Hot 97, plays the entire mixtape. Clinton Sparks' name was shouted like 60 times in New York City on Hot 97. Big shout to Clint Sparks, produced by Clint Sparks, brand new Clint Sparks. You couldn't fucking pay. For that kind of promotion. And that just goes to show when you just fucking do the right thing, get the job done, and stay focused and don't let your emotions get involved, mm-hmm. you're always gonna fucking win in the
2: end. Yeah. And
3: right. we had an incredible relationship, man, all the way up until his unfortunate passing. Yeah. Rest,
2: in Rest, peace. In peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Right.
3: Man. You've done so much. Are you like you even went on tour with Diddy, right?
0: I was Diddy's tour DJ, yeah. Was that during the E, e time or was that a little uh, bit before? That was
2: on um,
3: the um,
0: press, press play, play right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: like, 07? Yeah. That was like yeah, he was still doing hip hop. Oh, you way, know bass.
3: what? I did just start E because I have a, there's something online where I'm interviewing him, and as I ask him a question, he goes, It is so fucking hilarious being interviewed by you. And the reason <laughs> he said that is because we're like together every day. Uh, but, how, long, uh, how
2: long was that tour for?
3: I don't remember, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I've never said before, and this, it'll be interesting to be on this show since DJs listen. Um, so that was probably the most stressful thing I've ever done in my entire life. Wow. Except my divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Fuck, Jesus. It was, it was, I mean, dude, it was like, what the fuck is going on? Does anybody know anything? Like, Puff, can you fucking make up your mind? Like, why are you like, like, I'll do something super dope and he'll look back and be like, yeah, the next day I do the same cut. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're supposed to be the greatest DJ around. I'm like, I am the fucking greatest DJ. This shit is fucking dope. It was dope yesterday. It's still dope today. Yeah. And like, we have a little back and forth every now and then. And then um, when, when that leg of the tour ended and they were going overseas, they were like, all right, yo, we're ready to go on this next leg. I was like, Nah. I can't do it. And they're like, why? And I was like, you know what? You should call D-Nice. D-Nice would be great at doing this. Because at that time, D-Nice was a photographer. And I knew he loved taking pictures. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if he gets that gig over there, he'll be able to take oh. awesome fucking pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I never even told D-Nice this. I don't even know if D-Nice knows this until maybe he hears this or someone tells him now from hearing this. I'm the reason D-Nice ended up being P. Diddy's store DJ. Well,
0: I do not even know that. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't think you will hear this
1: though.
0: No, no, no. We'll, we'll, it, we'll
1: so. forward it to him. We're we'll trying. there's gonna be some DJ that listens. We've been trying to get him on. Yeah. Yeah, he, We've been trying. He's, he's definitely be, not listening. He's DJing in the moon <laughs> these days. Yeah, <laughs> we,
2: I was like, yo,
0: I was like, yo, we was like trying to hit him multiple times yeah, to get we, on this we show. We tried
1: this group chat yeah. like five
0: times. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, work. yo, it's never happening. Yeah. It's not happening. No, no, but yo, we're so, we're we're so honored
3: to have you. I Thank you for
0: coming through. Honestly, we could probably go another hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Definitely.
3: But one, I have super respect for you guys. You guys are names that I always, whenever I see your name on a bill or in a club, like I know it's going to be a dope party. And I know you guys are super legends, incredible in your own right. And, like, give yourselves more credit, you know what I'm saying, than what you might do, because people are like me that you say are honored, I look at you guys the same way. Like, I know what you guys contribute to the culture, I know what you guys do in the club, I know how much you hustle and how long you've been doing this and how the struggle you go through It like, man, I should be getting paid just like that guy, I'm fucking dope, like, I know all those conversations and thoughts that you guys have, right? So I have super respect that you guys had the perseverance and stamina to still be here killing shit and running shit out here, bro. So I it's you. an honor for you guys to have Thank me here you, as bro. well. I mean, Never. You appreciate yourself you know, know. give
0: yourself
2: give some, yourself some, I'm,
1: some flowers. I'm, gonna start, I'm gonna start doing it <laughs> <laughs> because of you I'm gonna start doing it more now yeah. <laughs> get good. a pep talk going i just send nah, you guys texts to remind love. you how dope no, but you, you are <laughs> you
0: have a new book right uh, Yep. Got uh, it. how to win big in the music business you gotta read that never <laughs> forward written by I David think Jamie, you
2: might need it more than me yeah, yeah. I'm, we're gonna do a I'm book club well so <laughs> you know what's funny
3: I'll tell you actually I case Slay stories in here but, like, you know, this isn't about like, here's how your publishing deal should be. Here's how you upload your music. Here's a, This is really the principles and values in this book teach you how to become a, a winner in life, period. So it's not, uh, yeah, I use music stories and anecdotes that are basically, every business is the same. Like, uh, you might think he does music and he does finances. It's two different worlds. Everything's the fucking same yeah. once you understand the code to how life works, right? right. Uh-huh. It, it's just different jargon different clothing, but it's all the fucking same. Just like people, we're all the same. We all, we all want an opportunity, we all want love, and we all want to be heard. We look different, we wear different clothes, different clothes, but that's the, that's the, the foundation of what every fucking human wants. So when you understand that, and you care about other people's needs and feelings, and you realize we're all the fucking same. So, same with business. Yeah. Well, then we got our copies now. We're going to check that shit out. Definitely. Get familiar. Get familiar. <laughs> By the way, it's free. If anybody wants this book, it's free uh, on my site, clintonsparks.com, or the link in my bios is at clintonsparks on Instagram, or just DM me, and I'll fucking text it to you personally myself.
1: Nice. Damn! Yo, I'll wow,
3: send you the audio if you DM me. If you follow me and DM me, I'll send you the audio book so you can listen to my voice.
1: First DJ to ever do an audio book, motherfuckers. <laughs> first ever. Oh, shit! I gotta run with that. I gotta run with that one Get familiar, too. Motherfucker. Get familiar, motherfuckers. Familiar. Familiar.
3: Yo, yeah. but but for, but let me say something though. Just because I know like you guys have been around and you guys are like legit real DJs, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I say that, I don't want you to be offended when I say it. Like there's all, there's a lot of times where you have like people that. Are doing something then somebody else comes along that does it bigger mm-hmm. right or like shows up so they get recognized as the first yeah, right yeah, yeah. so like yeah. I know you guys are playing hip-hop here, so when I say that, I don't mean like, no one's ever touched a hip-hop record. Oh, no, no, I don't. We, I no, mean I no, like no. that. No, 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 no. I meant no, it like, like I helped uplift and put it up here For sure, yeah, yeah. so that yeah. people will come I'm telling you, we're not offended, but we know some motherfuckers that will
0: <laughs> <laughs> really <We> get
2: offended. <laughs> <Absolutely>, yeah. <laughs> I don't give
1: a fuck. <laughs> they're, they're just busting your balls, brother, yeah, <laughs> yeah. from New York. <laughs> yeah. No, but
0: we're also acknowledging that you know that there are motherfuckers that were there. Because I, I think it's important to acknowledge the history of so, yeah, yeah, dude.
3: I mean, Vice was here before me, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, so like I, I'm totally aware of that, and I'm yeah. not saying it in a way to disrespect or insult. No, no, no. Somebody. I don't yeah, I don't think nah, it was nah, taken. Nah, no, no. We didn't take it that no, way. No, no, I'm that, not even nah. saying it for you guys. I'm yeah. saying it for those other people you're talking nah, about. They're they gonna take it that way anyway. <laughs> but guess what? Guess what? They're the fucking mad they're the mad DJs. <laughs> they're
0: so. gonna take it that yeah. way anyway. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just letting them know. We know y'all gonna take it that way. So we're acknowledging. <laughs> Leave <you>. comments <laughs> below. Oh, how you and, and by
3: the way, this is another thing I, and I get super respect for Like, you know, there's a lot of times that like opening DJs will make themselves seem like they're not as big or important as like the headline. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's a fucking skill. itself. like I can't open. Yeah. Like that's a fucking super skill. It is a skill. Be the super dopest opener ever. And then like all the headliners will fucking beg for you. And then you can demand even more money because they all want you and they don't want to fucking do a headline unless you opened. Yeah. I don't don't think there's going to, I don't think
1: the
0: idea or the concept of opening DJs like exists anymore. I think it's just yeah. slowly yeah. getting. Everyone's a headliner. Everyone's yeah. a headliner. they just getting on early.
3: Early, headline.
1: They're just getting on early. Headlining at 10 a.m. Yeah. You, you know, get absolutely. all the that's new shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. actually,
3: actually, that's fucking. I wish I thought about that. That's a fucking smart marketing term. You should have been like headlining at 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Headlining at 10. <laughs> headlining at 10. And then, then, you know, this guy's after. <laughs> yeah,
1: this, yeah. But <laughs>
3: even when I was coming up, like, I always hated when, like, you know, DJs that go to different cities, they'd be like, yo, I get to open up for him. I was like, bro, we're DJ, we're, de- we're doing it together. Like, you're not opening for me. I, it just always bothered me that, I don't think I'm above anybody nah, and never nah, will. Nah. And I don't like even being feel, I don't like people making me feel like they think I'm more. But successful. you don't think okay, it's yeah. like,
2: it's just a sign of respect. Man. Yeah,
3: yeah, but I don't wanna, I, I don't know, just, like I don't even let someone carry my bags. Mm-hmm. Like when the bellman's like, can I take your bags? Like, no, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And you might think, oh, he's cheap, you don't wanna tip him. I, I'll tip him anyways. I just feel bad that someone's dad. Carrying my bags like when I was twenty five, like I, just, I felt weird. Maybe that's just the way I was I was raised. I don't know. I, just, I, 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 I was crooked trying to think of something snappy. To no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I was trying to think of something nice. I think I think we're old school, like old
0: school New York motherfuckers. So I think we just like show respect. Yeah, that's like that's, it, like when when we you know I think in New York you have to either earn respect, but when there's an OG, you kind of got to be super like you like humble and just be like, yo, you're the the fucking man. Well, that's that's different. That's
3: acknowledging and and saying something nice. Like, man, I really respect your work, man. I love this thing that you did. I'm happy to work with you. Mm -hmm. Dope. But when it's like, yo, I get to open, it just feels like, don't belittle yourself like that. Like, first of all, the fact that you're even here with me, is already a fucking big or anybody next to fucking any Steve Aoki or Crooked or anybody like you worked hard to earn that position to be there. So it's I don't know, man. I just, I just, it just always bothered me. Wow, it's all good. We're all yeah, working man. together in the same,
1: exactly. In the there We're we right? go, We're together. together, guys. We are together.
3: <laughs> Yo, Clint Sparks. Thanks so much, man.
0: Thank you so much. Get, I get familiar. You <laughs> I bet. Thanks for tuning into The Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash Podcast, And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.